0: have a pose in the matrix here you have the pleasure of listening to us ramble on for two hours about things that are really important <clears throat> uh you get the news from other sources but he, uh, we, we balance things out with scripture and everything else so um we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff tonight we're going to be talking about uh, an upcoming civil war in the united states are we be- being pushed into that it sure looks like it um what about the uh, world's like World War Three, are we being pushed towards that? Uh, we talked a, few, a couple of weeks ago about Israel and about um, the confederation that's forming over there with Russia and uh, Turkey and the other nation, uh, Iran. Um, and what about spiritual warfare? You know, so we're gonna we're gonna be going from uh, current events, uh, some of them which don't don't uh, actually have to do with warfare, but there's there's just some incredibly moronic things going on in the political realm that we're going to talk about a couple of those first Uh, we were just talking about it before we got on the air Um, i'm being a very rude uh, uh, co-host by the way it's the 7th of uh, october uh, 2019 folks so um, eric and jim hola hello
1: greetings how you doing
0: good good very good did we lose jim
1: well, I suspect he probably has his mic muted, and he needs oh, to unmute yes,
0: it. I, yes, I do.
2: I,
1: got it.
3: <laughs>
0: I know well, him too I from, well. <laughs> I'm from Detroit. I'm from Detroit, you know. It's okay. <laughs> so are the Lions. Um, anyway. Hey,
3: I'll have you know, you'll find out, after after they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, but yeah. they played them harder than the last four games that the Kansas City had and the last six before. The season when they went undefeated from that time and we have been the only team that made them bite their nails all the way up to the end of the game whether they were going to win or not nobody's come close to that and with our quarterback injured and some of our key people out and if they could play that tenacious against them I hope they understand that they there's not one other team in the NFL that can even stand against them if they play with the same aggressive tenacity that they had that day, we're oh, going you, to the Super Bowl. You
0: came Bowl. out of the gate swinging.
1: <laughs> yeah. so I'm... Well, it's like I've, I've said. You know what? We'll, we'll be in the end times when the Detroit Lions win Super Bowl.
3: Gosh, man, it's one of the signs of the heavens and the earth, isn't it? A yeah. miracle, I mean.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, I could go Somebody so many different Chicago... directions. Somebody
3: from Chicago told me, "Look, if the if if the uh, was the Chicago Cubs could win the World Series, the Lions can go to a Super Bowl."
0: That's that's good enough for me. Yeah,
3: this this has got to be a year, so hey,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, well, why not? The
0: Cubs, what 107 years for it to
3: happen, (laughs) (laughs) like 60 some years, that's about half of it. So,
1: has Detroit ever been to the Super Bowl? No, no, I don't think they have
3: teams to never go to the Super Bowl, and uh, all all, both teams have went undefeated or, or not, I shouldn't say. The two teams that only went defeated through their entire thing was Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Both of us have been the never has been's. So
0: yeah. I'm right. 60 years old, and I think I've met two Cleveland Browns fans in all my years. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> well,
3: Detroit, we've learned uh, long suffering because we've had to suffer long. I, you know, actually, my grandfather and my dad got me interested in football when I was five years old. I remember watching Bobby Lane when I was five years old playing. Detroit Lions. That's when we dominated for like four years in a row, and wow. uh, and but but ever since then we haven't. And it, you know the thing is that, and this is how Satan works. You know, if you entertain superstitions like curses and things, you you can. I mean, Satan's right in there clapping his hands and saying, you know, I can empower this. Okay, just believe in it silliness. Now mm-hmm. I'll lead you on the trail. So there was a. Uh, In 1957, they were trading Bobby Lane off to another team. And he put a curse verbally, I guess, uh, a curse on radio. They didn't record radio then. So this is only one of these urban legends, you know, whether it was true or not, whoever even can know or can find out. But uh, supposedly he put a curse on the Lions that for the next 50 years, they weren't going to uh, accomplish anything or do anything. The 50th year of that curse, we went, uh, we've lost all that time. And the fiftieth year was the year when we broke. We were the first to break the NFL record. The first team that never won one game in the entire season. So uh, that was the year that the curse, that so-called curse, was ending. The thing is, if you know, athletes are are crazily superstitious, and they are saying any kind of legends, myths, and stuff like that. Satan's right there. He'll empower it. He'll make it real. And so it's not that the curse initially was ever had any truth or validity in it. You know, that he was some kind of a black magic priest or anything like that. But just, you know, he put it out there and people got suspicious. They entertained it as a possibility. And the next thing you know, Satan's are making it become a reality, at least in their minds anyway. As a man thinketh, so is he. So if you think we're cursed because of some silly thing that happened years ago, you know what? It's going to come out that way yeah. because you're empowering it. You're, you're speaking it out in your mouth. And, and uh, you know, the Bible warns us about, you know, how we confess things not that you want to use that and get hung up in a bondage but the same thing is you can't be stupid and just talk out stupid things so right. you know it doesn't surprise me so hopefully they're over that now and uh you know i'll live to see my grandfather didn't my dad didn't and now it's 68 i'm wondering <laughs> am i gonna see them <laughs> ever go to a super they do have to win guys just get there just be there one time
0: there you go there you go yeah, so being a Yankee fan, I I can never understand that. But um, anyway, uh,
3: uh, hey, yeah, yeah. You know, Yankees got so much money, though. You you bought out and gave us a coach for the Tigers purposely to sabotage and destroy the whole team mm-hmm. and uh, trade off everybody. Well, Avila, I'm talking about the general manager manager Avila. He doesn't seem and understand anything about team. Team play, playing as a team, motivators working as a team. He keeps breaking everything up. Soon as you're good in the Detroit Tigers, they trade you off and get the money for it instead.
2: He destroyed.
3: <laughs> yeah. I swear, New York hired him to destroy the Lions. We had the, we had a batting uh, back in what 2011, 2012 or something. We had a, we had a batting um, setup that would have scared every Yankee, you know, off the base of earth. We could have taken the next couple of World Series, I think, but Avila got there and stripped everything away. Traded them all away. Terrible. Hey, did I hear you in a faint background or something like you were? In...
0: Huh?
1: Yeah, anyway. I heard a just a for a split second. Yeah. Um, like way something. far away. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I, kinda, I tried
0: to mute it. Uh, my dogs are barking uncontrollably in the other room, and I can't
1: figure. Yeah, out I, why. We, can't, oh. we we can't yeah. uh, we we don't <laughs> hear them bark- barking, Dave, at all. So well,
0: oh, that's good.
3: That's good.
1: So yeah. I hear you,
3: it was like. Down a cave or something was speaking, you know,
0: on the other side of a football field or something. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry.
1: Do you have noise canceling headphones, uh, Dave?
0: I I have mutable headphones, but the program that we're using is supposed to mute me when I when I hit the uh, oh. the uh, mute button, and I guess it didn't do it totally, so I have to remember that. But uh, it might,
3: be, might be good for special effects. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I have special effects here, but you guys can't hear them, so I don't use um, them. Uh, right. So anyway, um, what I wanted to uh, – well, I guess what we're going to – talk well, yeah, let's get into this whole thing we were talking about before the show <clears throat> about the, the soft coup turning into a hard coup here. Have you heard – guys heard that that uh, uh, beautiful person from the Religion of Peace uh, from, from Michigan was talking about uh, finding places or a way to arrest uh, Trump and his cabinet – yeah, what the
1: plan? The, I guess the plan is is what they're trying to do is um, get him arrested, get his cabinet arrested, and then start actually arresting uh, uh, people that voted for him by the end of the year. Boy, they've been and they want a lot it. Of
0: jails. <laughs> well,
1: here's the deal. Uh, they want part. to actually they actually want to instill Hillary back in. Uh-huh. As as president. That's that's what's going around right now. Um, anybody
3: tell her that the constitution according to the constitution well, the president goes down the vice president takes over and any yeah. secretary of state not her. Well they want to
0: arrest him <laughs> yeah, too.
1: Yeah. I, I think I, I, yeah. I think you know the prisons are ready. Yeah. They're already they're already built up. And uh I you know I, what was it Maxine Waters made a comment that uh Trump is trying to kill her.
2: Huh. Which oh, is
1: actually an indication no, you're actually going to be hung for treason. Yeah, you well, know that's what she's really saying. And look at
3: look at the way they just recently changed the law. I mean, you know, every American citizen has a right under the Constitution to face their accusers right. face to face, eye to eye. Now they've rewritten the laws for the protection of this unknown. Um,
0: yeah, whistleblower. Uh, whistleblower. Yeah,
3: yeah, that that uh, to protect his or her's life we can't expose her they're implying without coming out and saying it that that um trump has so much money he could take her out before she could ever testify or or he could ever testify or anything um what a bunch of uh, what a bunch of contrived insanity i mean
0: well they live by what they do you know hillary hillary is 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 a gross example of that you know she's there's so yeah. many bodies underneath that woman that she could probably see uh, the other side of Lake Michigan if they piled them up on top of the. Probably, yeah. yep. you know? I don't know and, if
1: you, I don't ahead. know if you guys heard. Uh, you heard uh, that Trump is actually uh, calling troops back home now.
3: Yes, he is. Yes. yeah. And, and they
1: were and... Actually, it was interesting. They were all a lot of politicians were angry because he's basically this uh, thing in Syria and then along the turkish border he's calling all the troops back Uh Uh um and everybody was angry at him for that uh saying that uh well turkey will just you know will overrun the kurds and stuff like that and basically trump said uh we have an agreement (laughs) with with turkey if they if they try anything of that uh, of that sort i i will what did he say i will obliterate and destroy their their economy
3: economy yeah right Right. You so know, they... now, now, you know when I first when I first heard he was pulling out in that area and I'm familiar with, you know, the logistics of that area and the culture and everything. Um I was against it. I'm thinking, God, you know, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You, those Kurds there, are going to There's get a re- right
1: there's a reason behind it.
3: Well, you know, that was my that was my gut feeling. And then my second feeling, no, Trump knows what the heck he's doing. He's not stupid like people try to portray. This guy is smart like a fox, man. He there's there's something that we just don't know. That he does, he's probably getting our guys out in in harm's way. That's why he's pulling people out in Syria. Damascus is going to be nuked. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's in the Bible. It's very clear. The lineups of all the nations, everything is set. It's just like, okay, how long do we wait until it happens? I think he's getting our troops out of the way in safety so that they're not going to be nuclear dust.
1: Here's the other indication that Trump is actually doing something correct. Both sides of the... The politician aisle are angry about it. That's how you know that he's yep. doing the right thing because, no, true. like, like you say, you know, there. In, in reality, there's there's enemies in both sides, and it's like the same side of you know two sides sure. of the same coin. Yeah, they're all they're you know,
3: world order shields. They're
1: they're, they're 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 working the end goal uh, from both sides of the equation. Yep. So. When he does something they both don't like, that's how you know that he's doing the right thing. So
3: He's going against the New World Order. And, yep. you know, believe it or not, folks, I mean, most of our audience gets it. But there's, unfortunately, um, so many even other Christians that just don't get it. Yeah, global conspiracy is not craziness. It's reality. That's what's going on. That's what it's all about.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but I got on the, the Marine Corps uh, website the other day at the prompting of somebody. And back when Katrina happened, uh, what was that, 2005, I think, and I guess Bush would have been president back then, uh, right. he, he wrote some kind of, uh, nah, I won't say read legislation because he can't do that, but an order <clears throat> to call up the Marines to assist civil authorities. Yep. And uh, supposedly that's happening again. Now, that expired, but I think uh, Trump just renewed that. And so he's, he's calling up the Marines and the, and, and the, the, the poop out there, the talk, Whatever you want to call it, the rumor or whatever, is that uh, he's going to station them in Washington D.C. to protect him and, and the
2: uh,
0: <laughs> and the White House, and I can see yeah. that happening actually. Yeah. But yep. um, and, and so uh, the, the the act or whatever you want to call it, the order or whatever, um, is for the the Marines to assist civil authorities in in maintaining order. And uh, I find it interesting that he's doing that when all this is going on, because the, the uh, uh, call me crazy, but I listen to Michael Savage quite a bit and uh, he's been right more than he's been wrong. And uh, Michael is saying that uh, that Trump's going to position these guys uh, around Washington because uh, the, the soft coup that's been going on is going to turn into a hard coup pretty soon. And and with Tlaib tipping us off that she wants to have all the Republicans arrested, her, you know, and, uh, and things like that, especially Trump and his administration, she basically tipped Trump off that uh, that's what they're doing. And um, so uh, and like Jim said, you know, it's, it's they're all getting nervous like Waters is getting nervous because they know what's coming down the pike. Oh yeah. It's a game of chess. They're just trying to, to checkmate Trump before Trump checkmates them. And uh which I, I think the latter is gonna happen, not the former. But um it's gonna be interesting to watch because uh it's it's coming down the pike. They're they're forcing it. You know, well the, I think
3: they're deluded though, Dave. I think they oh, really yeah. think they represent the majority and they don't. They're such yeah. a small minority until they until Lord does a reset, they're gonna be amazed at how small of a minority they are. They right. don't represent me the people. Yeah they're a that's radical a- <clears throat>
1: That's something that Mark T- Taylor had echoed as well is basically understand that we're the majority, they are not, but yet they project the idea that they, that they are because they control uh, the media, you know, academia, um, mm-hmm. you know, positions yep. of, uh, you know, yep. of judicial type things. So they can basically railroad anything they want through against the people, you know, they, right. they cheat in elections. So that they know exactly how to cheat. They do it in the bigger states with the big metropolitan populations so mm-hmm. they can cheat in those bigger cities so they can overwhelm the rest of those that population oh. in that state. You they know, make they jokes
3: know. and memes of it now. But I mean, the, yeah. the fact is that, that when uh, conservatives die, they vote uh, Democrat after they die. I mean, they make jokes about it. But you know what? You look at the facts. And check out um, any of the voting records, and that's a reality. That's true. Yeah. That's what happens. That's they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So, but they're they're deluding themselves. They're they're believing their own fake news press. Somehow, you know, sin is blinding. So the more you delve into it, the more blind you get. You're you're not rational or logic. They really think they're representing uh, a majority of people. Some of them, I think, Maxine Waters. I think um, Pelosi. have deluded themselves into believing, really believing that they represent a majority. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I don't know about what it's like where you're at, but like in in my state, uh, when I moved here in the uh, eighties, Democrats actually had a pretty dominant control um, of the state. And Mm -hmm. and even at the federal level, as far as who we elected now, there's, there's so few left. It's, it's, it's unreal. Um, In fact, the last two democratic party offices that exist in the two Biggest cities in South Dakota, which are Rapid City and Sioux Falls, where I live, uh, they had to close their their doors. Mm-hmm. They ran out. Of, they ran out of money.
0: I believe it. I believe. Yeah.
1: No one. We well, you know, no one... all
0: moved to Oregon, Washington, and California. Well,
1: <laughs> I, it's funny that you say that. You know, you know, people got get, got upset here. You know, and we just we can't seem to change things. You know, we can't seem to make this place progressive. You know, they kept on saying this, so they gave up and they 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 moved. They walked away.
3: Right. In the in Detroit metro area, uh, the blacks have basically been supportive of uh, the Democrats. And, yeah. But I think, you know, recently they've seen the uh, under Obama the polarization of race. Uh, under Trump, most of them are not believing the lies that the fake news are accusing of Trump. They know from their own families. They're, they're back to work. They're, they're doing good. They've got more opportunity than ever had before. Well you have
1: record getting... You have you have record unemployment rate among minorities in this country now right that that is back to, to low the on,
0: low low unemployment yeah well,
3: low
1: in and the, unemployment in the, metr-
3: in the metropolitan area we have employment rates that we have never experienced before and yep. blacks especially are thriving and they're seeing that whites are coming into the city and they're working with them they want to make detroit great again they want to make america great again when you got all these you know when you got General Motors, probably the best thing to happen for uh, race relations is General Motors copping out and dumping on American citizens and specifically citizens in the Detroit metro area because we are Motown, the Motor City. Um, and they're going to they're going to lay a bunch of all of us off and to keep Pakistanis, Mexicans and, and, and foreigners that aren't even American. Uh, we bailed them out. We, the people, bailed them out. Back in Obama's years, because they were too big to fall. Well, I heard they wanted to, to ship most of their manufacturing us. over to China. Yeah, well, it's insane. Well, see, this is the thing. they now the black community is realizing, wow, you're supposed you, you promised to protect us. You pro, you were you know the union laborers were all you know were, were always big on what they thought protecting um, jobs and the underdog and everything and they're beginning to see more and more that socialism doesn't work, that the unions represent socialism and they're not getting what they were promised. They're losing everything that they were promised. And it's really caused a lot of blacks in Detroit to realize that we're, we're left holding the bag and we're not getting what we need. Trump is actually really trying to help us and they're getting it now. They're seeing it. And, they're seeing uh, uh, there's a complete breakdown of color. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Detroit exactly, but uh, especially with evangelicals, we all see ourselves as M&Ms. We might have outer coatings, but we're all the same inside. The very words of Martin Luther King, "It's you, you go on the character of an individual, not the color of his skin. And we're seeing that more and more. You know, barriers are being crossed. Churches are working together, black and white churches. Man, we're finding a love and unity in Christ that it should have always been. God's making an, an amazing move in Detroit, and we're all working together. We're not buying into this, you know, race-baiting crap. And, uh, and I just, I don't see that happening in other cities, though. I see that there's more and more of a polarization to the point where, my God, we're, we're on the verge of, I mean, I'm a history nut. I'm not saying this prophetically by the Lord or anything, but um, we're, we're, if history is to repeat itself as it did before, we're on the verge of civil war. And we already have been in a sense, but now it's, it's going to go in burps and stages. You know I mean? I really think that the visions that, um, um, David Wilkerson had, he saw a short term, you know, two, uh, two to three months of rioting, looting and burning and craziness. Like we had in the sixties, like we had back in the forties before.
2: Right.
3: And in all the major cities in, you know, across the United States, well, I think it's going to be a very short-lived situation, it, and that could be any time now. Man, the way that the way the Democrats are just foaming at the mouth and just getting crazy on stuff, and I can't even think of her name either. She's our new Congress, uh, a representative here in Michigan. Uh, she's also Islamic, and she's also very anti-Semitic and has put her foot in her mouth more than once, even has uh, concerned a lot of uh, Blacks in the Black community, as just a, you know, wait a minute, we didn't you know we didn't buy in for this part of the program.
2: Right. And I
3: hate to say it, shame on you. A lot of women, um, Christian women I'm talking about, that voted for uh uh Democrat women to get into office because you got baited into
0: you know uh all the feminist garbage yeah. all the
3: feminist garbage yeah and the dems knew that that's why this last election almost everybody running for senator or representative were women there were hardly any men running why because they were playing the the gender card mm-hmm. and too many of you bought right into it you know and be, so before being a christian you're going to be a woman and get woman in there yeah well you got them in there and in case you didn't know it socialism and communism is against the United States of the Republic of the United States of America. There are yeah. enemies; they're not good. And socialism has never worked anywhere. And I don't care. You know, go go ask the. Uh, uh, let's see, the, what are they? Venezuelans? How how the joy of socialism has worked there? Go ask any of the um, European nations how socialism has worked there. It's failed because it bases yeah. everything on other people's money. And guess what? When you run out of other people's money. The people that are working are going to be taxed more and more and more. They're going to be the new poor. And that's probably you voted for them. It doesn't work. Yet there's so many promises that the Lord has provisions and ways to work. When you're working with the Democratic Party, they boo Jesus at the uh, Democratic National Convention. Uh Um, They don't believe in him. They believe in a pliable Jesus. uh, My God, even liberation theology believes in a communist Jesus. That's insanity. Yeah, I know there's folk that I've known for 40 years that were part of my bike club ministry recently. They wanted to be friends with me, and, and, and I haven't accepted them because they're socialists. They're voting for Uncle Bernie. They're my age. They have no excuse. They lived in a constitutional republic that I remember when I was growing up. Where were they? Where were they? And they're trying to tell – they're trying to instruct me that, that, well, Jesus was a socialist. Huh. Uh, serious. Seriously, what? Um, I'll bet you read the Gospel of uh, uh, Judas too, right? You know, believing maybe there's something significant even in that. Mm. That's insane. That's like I'm a I'm a Christian um, uh, Satan worshiper. Yeah, there's kind of a dichotomy there that doesn't fit. Right. It's like I wonder. My gosh, where did you get your brain damage from? I mean, when did this happen? Yeah. I just I don't understand it. How can you? switch sides because communism socialism is the very spirit of antichrist mm-hmm. all of our unions that at one time my grandfather gave me the horror stories of what happened uh when he didn't have unions Where he was working in the ford motor company and it was pretty hard i mean they had they had bouncers and ex-prize fighters that were the foremans to make sure that the guys didn't step out of line if they did they'd deck them right that's ridiculous Um, so there was a time and a day when that kind of situation was necessary, but that time is long gone. Um, you know, I had, I have always lived, uh, my next door neighbor growing up was a, uh, from Poland and he was an engineer. Brilliant, hardworking man. I mean, I, I saw this guy, you know, he was like my grandfather would, Work whether he was sick or not, he just never missed a day. He gave whoever his boss was, whoever he worked for, he gave him his best. I uh, recently ran into a woman who 's doing a history of the poles now i 've always admired the polls. I lived in a Polish neighborhood before. Um, I lived in a city that's completely controlled by um, poles uh, the city of Wyandotte and it 's the most effective, efficient city on this whole metropolitan area. They have their own they 're totally independent from detroit they 're totally independent from everywhere. Growing up in a Polish neighborhood, I see the old European Poles out there. I'm not kidding you, the whites with with toothbrushes cleaning in between the cracks of the uh, sidewalks. Yeah. They kept everything immaculate. And I was always wondering, what makes them? Why are they that way? That's just, most of the people in real estate, when they knew that there was a Polish community that was moving out or away, they jumped on those houses right away because everything was immaculate. Right. So, Scal was doing the history of the polls, right? And she was Polish herself. And so I, I, I couldn't wait to be able to talk to her. And I, I built a bridge of confidentiality so she could open up. And so I finally asked her, I said, so let me ask you a question. Why in America do we have this stigma? And we all say dumb Pollock. And we always talk about dumb Pollocks. Where in the heck did that come from? Because my experience with polls, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's, I see just the opposite. And she says, you know, really, I'll, I can tell you, I've got an answer for that. And I said, please, I'd like to know. And uh, every, every kind of ethnicity as a culture will usually embrace certain moral laws, good or bad. But, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll uh, you know, just kind of have that as part of their culture. Well, in Poland, their trait was that you always give the best you can to what you do. Right and you'll get the greatest joy out of your job and everything. I mean, it was just a cultural thing. It was always in their minds and they've got a history to prove that. And I always admired like being a history, not world war two. Um, the Poles found themselves getting ready to defend Poland. And all they had was horseback and rifles. Uh huh. And they were getting ready to face panzer tanks and the best, finest technology that ever existed from Nazi Germany. Right. And the Germans came to invade and, when people call people dumb Polacks, yeah, look what they did in World War II. They were on horseback with rifles charging the the Germans with Stuka dive bombers and panzer tanks. Yeah. And they were, Re- the, bravest arm- they yeah. were the bravest people on this planet. If they were willing to defend their way of life, their families and, and their nation, knowing that they're going to get wiped out. But by God, they used everything that they had to face a, an enemy overwhelming. These are the bravest people. How dare you? Come against them and call them dumb, right? Man, you know I don't know whether we have the guts today to be able to stand up in that yeah. in that manner <clears throat> in that way. I don't know if and, you're
1: aware, but uh, Poland actually—I uh, I, want to say—within the last couple years had the largest oh, what is it? The, the the largest March Polish March in history for Christianity. Uh, it was huge, absolutely huge, and no one would report on it. Um, and ironically, uh, Poland is one of the areas where there has no been no Islamic Muslim terrorists because they don't allow Islam <laughs> yeah, in Poland. Yeah, that's right. So, they don't. so, you start, yeah. That's one of the, they
3: learn from history too. And right. Don't.
1: And, you know, the, the rest of the European Union is demanding that they, uh, they take in, um, you know, take them in, but they're saying no. So, um,
3: you know, in World War II, the, uh, when when Poland fell, most of their pilots flew or escaped to England, and they were going to separate them up. and And the poles said, "No, we fight as a troop. We wait. We, we fight as a group. We're already used to each other. We know what we're doing. Let us fight as a group. Don't don't put us. Don't sprinkle us around like salt. We want our own units." Mm-hmm. So you know, they were kind of desperate, so they went ahead and did it. Thank God they did. You know that the Polish fighters in their own units, broke the records of every other uh, RAF just because it's a cultural trait. We're going to give you our best. We're going to fight, you know, we're going to fight the enemy. We know them. We know how they work. We've been fighting, fighting against them. Maybe you heard about we were fighting on horseback. We did have an Air Force, and we were part of it. And you know what? We're, we lived to fight another day. Let us do it the Polish way. Well, the Polish way was to give them their best, and they did, and they, they had um, broke records after records. To where finally they couldn't and they tried to cover it up it was an embarrassment to the brits because they were doing better than they were right because they were given them 100 without detre- predetermining how the end was going to be they're just going to by golly give them the best the reason why the historian told me the reason why the poles were called dumb polacks was because two different ways right after world war ii they came in and started working in the um, auto industry and then especially after the iron curtain fell and they came to america and, of course, they were very used to failed socialism and failed communism. So they came in to work in the auto industry. And all of a sudden, the people working in the auto industry, you know, I'm going to incur the wrath of many uh, union auto workers in my own hometown on this one, maybe. But um, I had two uncles that worked uh, as uh, maintenance electricians at uh, the Rouge plant here in Detroit. And this was a cultural standard, American cultural standard, that this is just the way you do things. They're making $26, 28 $30 an hour. So they would load up and save some of the work for the weekends where they could get double time for it. Hey, this is our, you know, no, no, you're working too fast. Slow down, slow down.
2: Yeah. You don't
3: understand. You're making us look bad. Now, this is, we're saving this for the, for the weekend, that way we make uh, $50 an hour instead of $30 an hour, time and a half. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the system. This is the way it works out. Well, whenever I was wow. in a union environment like that, I used to argue with them and say, look, you know, we, we're competing with a foreign market now. They're working way cheaper than what we are. How do you think, how long do you think this kind of stupidity and sanity is going to work? You know, everybody makes the same. This is socialism, man. It doesn't work. It never has anywhere else and it never will here. You know what? I was right the whole darn, you know, in, in the in the 90s, the whole thing collapsed. They had to revamp and redo everything. But the poles, they got in there, and they're just working like crazy. I mean, and I worked in steel shops. I've seen, you know, what, I remember in one steel shop I worked at, man, these guys just, they would just give you their best, you know, working, and, and usually sometimes some of the lowlier jobs, they were scraping, um, making, scraping metal, cleaning off metal, cleaning off welds, and, and getting things prepped for painting. But Boy, I'll tell you, they did so much. They'd stand around waiting and what they, what else could they do. Could they help paint? Could they help? You know, I mean, they just didn't want to stand around. They were working all the time. It was just inbred into them to be that way. And, uh, and so because they did that, getting into the auto industry, they would give everybody the best. Everybody was calling them dumb Pollocks because they didn't get it. They were working hard when they should have slowed down so they could be on the gravy train to make them bigger money. And, you know, they weren't so dumb, were they? Because look what happened to the auto industry. And you know why it happened? Don't blame it on anyone else but yourselves. You guys were so greedy. You wanted more money. You slowed down. You kept the pace. You accepted the union thing that, well, this isn't your job. You can't do that. You're not qualified. Well, actually, yes, I am. I got a degree in welding. And, you know, I, I know from start to finish, everything in between. Let me, instead of standing around watching five guys work and wait, why can't I go ahead and, and, and help them out? We can't. Well, that's just the way the structure is, and it didn't work too well. Now it's they've had to revamp it and change it, or we go down and don't compete with, with all the other places. So, you know, it's just—that's
0: right.
3: It's craziness. It's just and and it still is carried over today. So when I see the younger people and Christians voting for Uncle Bernie because oh he's such a nice guy and he's going to give us free this and free that, fool. There ain't no darn free nothing. Somebody's yeah. got to pay for it somewhere. Exactly. Don't you realize that it's going to eventually be you if you have any initiative or if you're working? They're gonna after they run out of every people's money, they're gonna they're gonna start tapping everybody that is actually working and making a job to cover the ones that are lazy or stupid and don't want to work. Because guess what? Socialism is for lazy people and for stupid people. Yeah. And if you don't see that, you're pretty stupid yourself. And if you're a Christian. Man, you're some kind of detached anomaly. I don't know. Um, get back on your knees and search, search out the Lord. Or let God remove the scales. Remember that one, Dave? You and I oh, yeah. went through with Mother <laughs> Recently, it?
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly.
3: gosh. Sin is blinding, man. If you don't believe the truth, you're going to believe all these stupid lies of the world. You know, it's, mm-hmm. my goodness. So that's why I say, you know, we're in, we're in some pretty precarious positions right now in our society. Just going by history alone, we are on the eve of a civil war. Right. I hope it doesn't happen, and i'm not and I don't belong to some survivalist group that's ready to get out my guns and start blowing everybody away mm-hmm. i'm I'm really not I mean, I don't want to see this happen, but I know what history is, and I know how it repeats itself. We're on the eve of it, but we keep buying into this you know believing the fake news,
0: yeah, that's right, and you know not to mention. <laughs> I uh, when you think about who's who's good and who's bad in Washington, you know, there there may be two Republicans that are good. I don't think there's any Democrats that are good whatsoever, Um, you know, elected officials and and all their minions that work under them. But, um, you know, it's when when you see uh, somebody was saying the other day on the radio, you know, that uh, if impeachment does happen, You know that it'll probably be knocked out in the Senate unless uh, what was what was it Uh, twenty twenty Republican senators swing over to the other side. Well, you know I don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility because the Republicans hate Trump as much as the Democrats do. (laughs) Well, Kim. Yep, yep. You're
1: right. Both Mark Mark Taylor and Kim Clement said that they will they will try to impeach impeach, but that will not work.
3: Right, and I absolutely believe so it. it
1: will it will fail, and it's probably only for this reason that uh, Trump is uh, being supernaturally protected. Oh yeah, uh, of course. You know that's the that's the only way this is going to work. So, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any uh, any worry in it whatsoever because the way I understand it is that the uh, the Senate basically constructs a di- uh, <laughs> conducts a trial. I, I'll learn how to talk. Um, and, uh, and, and the, um, so you have the, the president of the, of the Senate who is Mitch McConnell would preside, pre, actually, I think the, the, the Supreme Court presides over it, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or the, uh, uh, the head, uh, judge on the Supreme Court presides over it. And then, uh, <clears throat> the Senate, uh, is the one that does the trial. Um, and there has to be, uh, I think s- 64 if i'm not mistaken something like that senators that have to vote to uh, to impeach him um so that's not going to happen now what I'm, what I'm thinking about though is that um they're taking they've taken their time on this and they're doing it for a purpose the democrats are and, and you know I, I do believe they're going to fail but um they're taking their time because the elections are coming up in 2020 next year november Right. And so by the time that um, let, let's just say that they start proceedings in February of next year, well, you know, that's going to drag on forever. And they're going to do that for a reason. The reason they're going to do that is that they're hoping they can take back the Senate because if they can take back the Senate, then they can they can fully impeach Trump and Pence yep. and get them out of office. And yep. who takes over if that happens?
1: Uh, let's, see. Uh, let's see. Let's see. I, Speaker I, I, of the I, House. Right.
0: Pelosi yeah
1: oh so, dear lord yeah
0: right <laughs> next thing you know we're in fema camps dude <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and uh, yeah because her and feinstein and all the other little commie uh uh boy it's hard not to want to use some colorful language right now but and but i won't um yeah and you know so i think that that's why they're they're biding their time on this biden get it <laughs> that's funny i just know <laughs> <to that>. <laughs> But you know that I, I found in my life that people, matter of fact, it happened recently at work that people tried to accuse me of something that they themselves were doing. You know, and well, that's, a, that's what
1: the that's what the occult does. You know.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you know that a lot of the members of uh, of the Congress are into the occult. Um. You just have to look at their actions, and most of them are into child pornography and probably. Uh, infanticide and everything else um, which brings us to an interesting uh, subject um, uh, The um, Michael Savage calls her the half donkey, half human um, uh, what's her name, AOC Cortez yeah,
1: cor- cor- Orte- Cortez, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, from my state no, no, Cortez is no. From, from New York uh, City you're yeah. oh, thinking of you're yeah, thinking yeah, a okay, Talib my- I'm yeah. thinking of Talib. Yeah, Talib. Well, there was a – and I listened to it because they played it on the radio the other day, uh, the, the soundtrack of this woman at uh, one of uh, AOC's um, rallies, and she actually started talking about uh, in order to save the planet, we have to eat the children. And the, right. the commentator that was talking about it, uh, said that that wasn't the disturbing thing. The disturbing thing was that AOC absolutely did nothing. She did not refute it. She just stood there listening and then just moved on to something else. Yep. And uh, that that is disturbing because you know that goes along with all the other things we've been hearing about child child abduction. Um, we know gate. that the pizza gate We know that some of the elites actually actually feed on people. And I find it interesting because if you read Enoch, the first uh, one, Enoch, it said that when the uh, when the nephilim had consumed all of the um, the resources of mankind, resources, they, bega- yeah. they began to consume man himself. Yep. And so we're just watching history repeat itself. And uh, so it doesn't surprise me when I when I listen to this and I hear about cannibalism. It doesn't surprise me one bit, actually, because Jesus said that when I come back, it's going to be like in the days of Noah. And that's what happened before the flood and even, you know, periods after the flood, too. Um, and I do believe it happens in Washington. I believe it happens in uh, Bohemian Grove uh, when they all get together in the whole nine yards. So, um, again, I, I endorse Kathy uh, O'Brien's book, uh, yeah. Transformation of America. Boy, folks, if you want to read, you've got to read that book and uh even if uh three quarters of it's true it's 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 alarming what the elites are into you know
1: what well, i'm pretty doing I'm it's... pretty convinced that uh hillary herself has kuru so oh yeah
0: yeah because yeah of her... yep, yeah
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, and this is not new stuff. this is exactly what was being done on the top of Mount Hermon um in the days when the ten northern tribes had the divided kingdom and um in their worst state of apostasy the the ten northern tribes. Uh, were practicing Canaanite ritualistic sacrifices on top of Mount Hermon. One right. of them was passing through the fire. And you look at that in the Hebrew, the passing through the fire, doesn't mean that they were just walking through, you know, stones and rocks, you know, to be burnt. It literally is suggesting or alluding that they were being sacrificed, some of them uh, being sexploited, others being eaten. This was an ancient Canaanite ritual, satanic, right from the spirit of Antichrist, and that's what the rich elite were doing at that time. Uh-huh. So it's not any different now than it was, you know, back then. It's right. just a continuation of the same thing. The globalist elite were working for the god of this world, little g, Satan. And this is the way he does stuff.
2: Yep.
3: It's the way he did it back then. It's the way he's doing it right now. It's the same old business as usual, conducting, you know, but we think somehow that this is something new or different or it's never happened before, so it's not probably happening at all. No, this is the way the rich elite who have thrown themselves into league with the God of this world, Satan. It's just the way it's business as usual. It's what they've always done and what they'll always continue to do.
0: Right. Well, it's, you know, even Nimrod, because Nimrod was part of that, that whole clan, you know, um, he was the son of Ham and uh, so were the Canaanites. And um, it says that in, in scripture that he was a mighty hunter. Well, why would that be included in scripture that he was a mighty hunter? I bet you everybody back then was mighty hunters because they had they they were they were either planting plants or hunting animals, you know. But if you look into that, it seems to suggest that he hunted people.
3: Yeah, I was going to say say he was a mighty hunter, all right,
0: but he wasn't on
3: he wasn't yeah. hunting or, or bison or oxen or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was hunting people and probably eating them. So I know that sounds really, folks. I sound it sounds really, really odd, and it sounds like maybe we're getting off on a tangent. But well, we, we live in a fallen it, world and you gotta know that that there's aside from what you see, the evil that you see, that there's much worse <clears throat> evil going on. Right.
3: Doing you know, doing the counseling, in you know, my experience. Well, I can't use that word anymore. I forgot. Uh your advice in the process of it, giving out information as an advisory capacity. Yeah, I don't want to end up in jail. <laughs> that's, that's so uh, PC.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
3: know. <laughs> but, you know. Now the thing is, though, you got to be that way or you're going to end up in jail. I don't want to jail. Well, you know, I got a safety trip there, though. I Satan may not want to consider putting me in jail again. I was in jail one time in my whole life. I mean, not that I didn't do anything that I could have been in jail or I just never got caught. But um, I was thrown in jail. Um, it was a mixed up thing where the, the Wayne County, uh, friend of the court had their, you know, their files and, and, uh, things all messed up. And they thought I owed, you know, like thousands of dollars and I didn't, but they threw me in jail, general lockup, Wayne County jail, not a place where you want to go, especially if you're a little white guy, it's kind of a dangerous place to go. And, uh, Uh, long story short, I ended up in a cell where I, you know, some people asked me some questions about the Lord and Dave, uh, probably the one time that, you know, you came in that one time in my store and I had about, I don't know what, 15 people gathered around me and I was talking, uh, preaching the gospel to them and they were just like totally fascinated on it. And I was doing it, you know, from a 21st century perspective. So it wasn't a usual sermon that you would hear in a church, but these people were fixed on it and learning uh, about Jesus. Well, I'm in this cell. My cell lockup, uh, the Cobras had just gotten uh, busted, raided, you know, by the feds. And so a lot of them were thrown in. These are not no lightweight, you know, Cobras are pretty heavy-duty gangs. They they killed uh, lots of people, and I was thrown in jail with them. And I had everyone in my cell group gathered around. And I it started with just one or two people. And next thing you know, more people gathered around, more people gathered around. I had everyone in that whole cell room um, listening to every word that I was saying, preaching the gospel, telling them about a Jesus they never heard of in church, giving them some personal testimony, everything. In the end of everything, every one of them prayed with me to accept Jesus.
2: That's every
3: awesome. one of them. I mean, you know, that was my last time that I ever had anything to do with a, ju- with a jail because the Lord realized he, I mean, the Lord, Satan realized he really screwed up putting me in jail because that's just what happens, you know, and, right. and, I, and for the first time in my life in a long time, I was scared being in that room. I was in a room with 36 people packed into a 15-by-10-inch uh, cell. I couldn't even sit down. And these were with people that were hardcore murderers. And uh, I was a little nervous. Here I am. You know, I'm a faithful Christian. What am I doing here, with you know, like this? And mm-hmm. fed stuff that I didn't even want to – I don't want to even go down that road. But – um it was pretty scary. And so it went from that to, Lord, can I stay a couple more days? I, you know, maybe throw me in someplace else. I mean, this is getting to be kind of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> that was the last time I ever had. and probably figured maybe the last time I'd ever see any kind of prison. Satan knows not to put me there. That's a dangerous place and an opportunity for me.
0: <laughs> well, you know, when Kent Hovine um, with uh, folks, if you don't know who Ken Hovine is, he's, uh, he's uh, a big a a creationist that um, yes, yeah. that's very good at uh, proving the, the point of creation and uh, to the point where the devil didn't like him very much. And uh, he was uh, unjustly uh, accused of things uh, money-wise and, and he was thrown into prison. But uh, I remember because he had a Twitter, not Twitter, but he had a feed going. Uh, his son would post his stuff on, on uh, Facebook all the time. I remember reading one time that he says, he says, this is great. He says, people are getting saved left and right. He says, I've, it's like, it's like the Lord is leading people right up to me in jail. He says, he says, the devil meant, meant evil for me. He says, but for goodness sakes, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm more people have been converted in the last month or so than I've ever gotten to, to, to lead to the Lord in the last, uh, you know, 20 year years or something like that. He says, this, this is a great opportunity. And, and, uh you know, after being in jail, I don't know, what was he in jail for a good five, eight years or something like that. It was and, a
3: while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, they finally let him out, but, um, got
3: you to know, double the, it
0: about, he can not afford it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he never figures it out, you know, that, uh, yeah, you throw a Christian into prison. That's, <laughs> you're going to be losing more people than, than you, you've ever imagined, you know, because those guys are in there because a lot of them had bad upbringing. Um, some of them had, uh, well, whatever the, the case may be, um, but they didn't have a chance to know the real Jesus like you were talking about. So, they, well,
3: you're, you get know, you're going to in there because you
0: love the Lord and you're on fire for the Lord.
2: <laughs> Bad <yeah>. mistake. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So um, anyway, yeah, it's it's yeah, throw, throw Christians in jail, you know, and it's all over the world, too. You know, it's uh, the Soviet Union. They get thrown in gulag or something like that. Pretty soon, you know, there's there's a cell group of people that are that are leading other um, gulag members to the uh, to the Lord, you know. And look at uh, Paul when he was thrown in jail; he was leading centurions to the Lord. You know? They're saying that
3: in China, there's such a revival going on now. Not only a resurgence, you know, they want uh, democracy, they want you know freedoms like we have, and of course, you know, we gave them um, Hong Kong. Right, and Hong British Kong thing. is the center yeah it, well, I why we say we but I mean yeah, yeah. Uh, we let that go over but yep. what what it taught the general population is wow free enterprise system really works
2: right we, yep. we
3: never had we never had this kind of standard living before
1: um, well China, and if, China will be a Christian nation uh, dominantly Christian nation but they'll yes. probably be they say within about a decade that they actually will have more Christians than there are in the United States.
0: I know. And I've heard that's Clement, already true.
1: Yeah. Kim Clement mentioned also that to watch China, because the wildest thing going to happen, China yeah. is going to support Israel. Oh, watch.
3: my gosh. No, I didn't know he said that. Hol- huh. Hallelujah. Oh, my yep. gosh. That's awesome. That
1: is that is going to happen.
3: You know, my my one um, that's video series— my one video series, I guess, went ballistic over in China. And that's the one where I'm saying, I got good news for you, Chinese. You are not the 200 million across the Euphrates River to attack Israel in, in the last days. You aren't. And right. I can prove it. Here's all the scriptures to prove it. You know, it says in Joel that there was a uh, an, an army, an end-time army, that would make this invasion that had never been before and never will be again. Mm-hmm. I got new, good news, guys, you know. You guys have been around a long time. You're, this is talking about something of an entity that is not fully human, that is some kind of a bastardization, a hybridization of human and non-human, right. artificial intelligence that has never been before, and God's never going to allow it again. It's not you. Guess what? You're not even crossing some stupid river to make the invasion. Matter of fact, it's not even happening over there. It's happening in the Antarctic. And that's what CERN is all about. And that's what all this melting stuff is. And the melting has nothing to do with global warming. It has to do with ocean currents. One of them is slowing down. It's causing the Antarctic ice to melt. And now we're seeing pyramids. We're seeing uh, what looks like a city. We're seeing all kinds of stuff going in. Why do you think the world's rich elite and government leaders are going down to there all of a sudden to investigate everything when Obama was still president? You know, everybody was going down there. They weren't going down there to feed penguins.
2: No, they were going uh, down there
3: it's, they're keeping track on all the goodies that are starting to melt that they are hoping is going to be maybe their own little part of their uh, domain or have some kind of control over it. Of course. Um, because, you know, what the stuff that's flash frozen in the ice, that's fresh water ice. There's no salt. That means it's in pristine condition. Probably dry it out, you know, let, let – uh, let the water dry out and everything push a button geez, all of a sudden you got what anti gra all kinds of technology all kinds of power. all kinds
1: of real vir- 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 uh power
3: yeah there you go eric right, right. yeah now, eric go ahead and ex- you better ex- you mentioned bill real now some people don't know what that is so maybe explain it for our audience uh
1: let's see let me think again it, it, i know it, I'm, I'm probably going to bastardize this a little bit um
2: i'll
3: catch you man
1: well let me th- <laughs> So let me think about it. Uh, it's it's the it's it's part of the technology that UFOs are based off. That's correct, right? Yes, yes. And it's is it something to do with mercury in the centrifugal force of using sure. mercury to create a um a propulsion system? I, I guess a
3: gravitational field. Grill right? grill yeah. was a form of energy. Helena Bobatsky wrote about it. She called it uh, a different name. Um, other scientists, you know, who have been working on it called it different things. Um, oh, let's see, what's the one guy we had working for us for a while? He was a German. Orgone. Um, it's been called Fohat Orgone. Um, basically, it's an anti-gravity form of energy that uh, the the legends go as far as uh, ancient Atlantis, that they had a crystal on a staff, and they could mentally project this Uh, form of energy called Vril Ya into this crystal and it could manifest itself to do everything from changing environments, being able to read minds, being able to um, talk to animals or control animals, control nature, control growth of things. It was a form of a sonic language that could overrule everything that we understand as normal physics. It has a physics to it. It's not magic. It is a sonic physics kind of like um god spoke everything into existence this is about sound light vibration it goes to quantum physics when you understand quantum physics really makes all the sense in the world it is not magic it is physics so that even magic or even the gifts of the holy spirit has a physics behind it Mm when when uh jesus and even in, in the bible and in the book of Enoch says that the secrets of heaven were scattered amongst men. This is part of that scattering so that uh, the new age movement talks about sound and vibration and going to a higher level and all this other, what for me, an old guy remembering all the hippies and the weird crap that they used to say, man, I just thought they were just drug infested and had too many acid trips, but there is a sandwich in between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion is a real physics on how things work good or bad because the the technology and the physics itself is benign it, it's it doesn't go one way or another lay a gun on on the you know on a desk it's benign it's a gun it can kill people but it depends on who picks it up and and applies it so you know, right. one person is going to use it to defend somebody and you got another person is going to use it to kill somebody that's why the libtards are so crazy they're going to penalize everybody who want to pick it up and defend and let the ones that are going to pick it up and kill somebody let them go off scot free. They're not addressing how this guy got the gun and where he got it from and address that problem. No, taking the guns away from the good people. Yeah, that's going to really solve a lot of problems, isn't it? Insanity. Yeah, right. So, anyways, I'm like, getting off on a bunny trail, but the thing is that this power was a power that existed. Man, it was our birthright and our inheritance at one time before we fell. Mm-hmm. That's what we lost. And yeah. now the enemy took it. He robs, he comes to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. He took it, and now he's putting a twist on it and giving it to his own people in a perverted, sick way, to mock God in the same but opposite way. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a real power, and it's a power that is uh, benign in itself, but in the use of wrong hands, it's very dangerous. In the use of right hands, it can be good. But what makes it good? By giving it and laying it at the feet of Jesus, saying, this is your power. We're a fallen creature. Use it. Uh, I lay it at your feet, help me to be led by you, and you're in control of this, not me. Mm-hmm. And you let him do the leading, not us do the leading. See, the, the conflict there is we are not our own gods. The flesh gets we are in not, the way. Yeah. Yep, our flesh and our intellect gets in the way.
2: Yeah. And
3: we can't handle it. It's like giving a kid a loaded gun. You know, I took this away from you, kid, because now you you're only using one tenth of your brain. You just don't get the whole picture. So I'm protecting you because I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to control you or manipulate. I'm God. I I I can do anything I want. You know what I really want? I chose to die for you so that you come come back to where you belong, because you're living in a place that you don't even belong in right now. Right. Right. So yeah. yeah. So the real power the real power is something that's very real. It's something that um by benign in itself, but it's something that has been used as a weapon against all of us. So we need to know about this
0: stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> boy, if you could see the infiltration in the church, if people could see it, I know you guys can. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the infiltration that's uh, that the enemy has come in and um, perverted the Holy Spirit by putting his own spirit in there called the Kundalini Spirit... That a lot of Christians are. Oh yeah, this is this is of the Holy. No, it's not of the Holy Spirit, you know. And and uh, I'm sorry, but you know. People don't writhe around on the ground like snakes and and go out and eat grass and everything like that and, <laughs> and you know oh I mean, wow Christians and stuff you like know, that. I mean you could look at the videos of some of the stuff that that people do it's it's truly amazing and it's what truly, do they convulse
1: on the they convulse on the floor
0: yeah they convulse on the floor they well, they slither like snakes they bark like dogs and moo like cows they'll, and
3: they'll stand up and speak in all kinds of tongues but I mean you know so do the Hindus you know yeah. what right. You know, and well, that's I, where the Kundalini me, comes from. <laughs> so right. And here's the other thing: I speak in tongues every day, all the time. It's a regular practice. It's an, an anointing. It's not a gift that's given to me. It's for every believer. Right. And I've never emphasized this in the past before, but now I realize that we're coming to the end of the end. We need everything that God has given to us, and tongues, being the least of all gifts, is actually the gateway and the importance to all the other gifts. So I. I'm putting an emphasis more now than I ever have before. But so you know, you and I, Dave, we come from a full gospel background, so we see it on that level. But right. Eric sees it on a totally different level, where he comes from a more reserved,
1: you know, yeah, know,
3: a fundamentalist level. But the frozen, chosen,
1: man, chosen, yeah. chosen, frozen.
3: But man, the corruption <laughs> is still there, just as big there that yep. is. You know, it, it it's is everywhere. Yeah. in all all phases, all spectrums of Christianity. Eric, why don't you, you know, just share some of the experiences you've had, how, man, up is down and down is up. I mean, it's pretty weird. I mean, just even the misidentification of what God's doing through Trump or through, you know, some of the other things he's doing today. Because you come from a doctrine that basically says, well, God doesn't do this kind of work today. Um, No,
1: yeah, they would say that it it, it doesn't happen. Um, Or those those gifts are not for uh, today. That was for... The time during um, Pentecost, you know,
3: right? Yeah, the
1: apostles. But we know that, that that can't be correct because it because there, there's a the talk of the, you know, the the latter rain and the former rain and the latter being greater than the former. Well, it means that these gifts are going to come uh, back into the fold, but they're they're going to be amplified in even greater in abundance, in quantity, um, than it was, uh, at Pentecost. So absolutely. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. Yep. Now folks, you're, that was, that was a five point Calvinist just telling you that the gifts are still here for today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is it, is it mostly Calvinist type, uh, churches that, you know, kind of poo-poo the
3: yeah and it's unfortunate it's like a package deal you know there's not very many there's not very many um calvinists that are open to the gifts just as there's not very many um armenians that are open to the idea of two seeds right right and yet Both are very biblical. It's like, dudes, let's get together and talk about what we have in common and not what's in conflict. Because if you get together and find out what you have in common, you know what? You'll find out how much fits together. Neither one of them are both wrong and neither one of them are both right. You have a piece to a puzzle that fits like a glove if you would just sit down and talk to each other.
1: Yep. I think that's kind of the key. Everybody's got a piece of the puzzle. Amen. We gotta, we're going to have to all come together because, um,
3: well, you know, when we don't want to, we're going to be forced to, aren't we? <laughs> well,
1: I mean, ultimately that's, that's probably what will happen. Um, cause you know, at that point you really, uh, won't have anything to argue about. You know. <laughs> Because uh, you're dying.
3: Yeah, uh, you're all dying for the same God. All, it doesn't matter. We're all
1: dying. So, you know, it, it, it all becomes it always, relative at that point. So.
3: It doesn't matter whether you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or in Jesus' name or in Jell O. No. It doesn't matter. You're all dying for the same God that you love and you're willing to die for Him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, Jesus. it's perspective, I guess, um, that's required. Um, you know what I mean?
3: Well, of the course. devil has denominationalized all of Christianity. And, yeah. And Divine really denominationalizes. Yeah, divide and conquer, exactly what it is. And he's sitting there laughing and going, I got you where I want you. Yeah. Just stay divided. You'll never come into unity. And what did Jesus say? He says, the world will know my love for them by how you, they see you loving one another. Well, yeah, go into any chat room and see how much love there is between, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. all I. You know, my, my, my oldest son used to really like wrestling when he was a young kid growing up. And I remember the one guy. I don't know because I wasn't really into it, but the guy yells out on a microphone, "Are you ready to rumble?" That's you go into any chat room, and that's just about what do you you know what I hear is mm-hmm. debating, and debating turns into a rumble, man. It turns into an intellectual arm wrestling, rumbling affair. It's not even chat
0: rooms anything. anymore, Jim. You, you uh, you've posted a couple of things recently that some. Oh, I, I, you know, Stir up <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to mention the subjects. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that people come in there all high and mighty and they start accusing you of things that you never said. And, and, you know, and basically saying, what uh, the one guy, you know, I hope, I pray that the Lord takes the blinders off your eyes, speaking to you and me, you know, and I was trying to, when you come in with an attitude like that, like, you know, everything, that should be the, you know, if any Christian believes they know everything, then they, they've got to stop and, and, and think, no, I don't know everything, you know. Yes, the basics, you know, we, should, we, we all have that down, you know, uh, you know, the, the Apostles' Creed, basically, you know, we, we have that down. But, you know, when it gets into the gray areas, no, we don't have it all down. And, you know, it's, it's, it's foolhardy to get on there and say, I, I know this and you're wrong. You know, and just coming well, it's in with dis- this attitude—it's
3: disrespectful when you're thirty, 30, 40 years younger than the person that you're talking to, too. I mean, this is why a lot of you know our fellow researchers, Watchmen, um, whatever you want to call them, don't go and talk to any of these people at all at any at ever. I don't belong to any of these discussion groups for that right. reason. Right. But recently, I you know I've had a real burden for the younger generation. They need to know stuff that this oldies know that they don't know and never had a chance to know mm-hmm. so my passion is to reach out to them so unfortunately i gotta stay connected to facebook or you know i haven't broadened out into some of the other groups and i i think i have to um because they need to hear what what i have to share but the problem is it is so hard and i can understand why other people my age or that are maybe more well known you know in this uh genre uh don't because it's very hard when you've studied 40 years, you studied on a level of a PhD and then you're going to have a kid treat you like you're another kid in a chat room.
2: Right.
1: I well, mean, you know, you know, I witnessed something, Jim, just on a, a video you had posted on YouTube at one ch- uh a time, uh, what was it? Uh, the flat earth. Um, mm-hmm. And I was reading some of the comments and you know, whatever, you can disagree and that's fine. Uh, but you know, I saw one comment where, they had made a comment about you directly um, basically saying that they valued all the information that you presented, but they said you were behind the times and you can't teach a new dog, new tricks or an old dog, new tricks. (laughs) I mean, just a level of disrespect um, people have here. You got, like you say, younger people um, thinking they know it all and they don't.
3: Well, you know, and the thing is, it's one thing, uh, that's fine if you want to be that way, but yeah. how dare you think that you could actually remain biblical or right with God if you're going to sit there when when there's parameters in the Bible, that there's a certain way to treat someone that is, is actually older than you age-wise or older than you spiritually, especially if he is a spiritual leader. Um, and I just don't see that existing anymore. My God, if I, if I ever spoke the way some of these kids speak to me, to my dad, And I did one time in my life, I really raised my hand one time to my dad like I was going to sit back and punch him. I don't even remember him hitting me. And he only gave me the the back of his hand. Mm -hmm. But I do remember flying across the room, hitting my back up against the opposite wall and falling down in total shock. My dad was a mellow man. He never lost his temper. But when he saw me raise my hand against him, I guess he figured he had to make an lasting impression and that was the last time I ever raised my hand it was yes or no sir ever since then and I respected my parents mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. I had a drill sergeant when I was in basic training that I my my uh, weapon jammed up I had and I never told them what I had I had a fully automatic m14 you want to see something that's really fantastic okay I'm um, the geek in me is coming out, but, but I, you know, I was shooting this thing and it jammed up. And so of all things, I'm in a foxhole and I turn my gun around. You always keep that thing downrange.
2: right?
3: It's jammed and you're sitting there pointing it at somebody else. Mm-hmm. If that thing got suddenly got unjammed, that bullet's going out and a 7.62's is going through somebody's head and it's coming out. Nothing but shrapnel shredded brain. Yeah. Right. That guy hit, he hit me so hard. I don't even remember, you know. I mean, he almost knocked me out hitting the other side of the um, the um, foxhole that I was in. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I came and apologized to him and thanked him for doing that because right. I'll never do it again. Right. Some sometimes you just got to learn the hard way, and you know, it's where corporal punishment is a very
0: effective thing. He that
3: <laughs> spareth the rod, hateth his child.
0: We were, we were in a gun shop. I, Barbara actually went with me into a gun shop. It was neat, actually. Uh, The other, uh, probably about three weeks ago. And there was a guy in there and he was looking at pistols and he, the guy hands him a pistol and he's, he's pointing it all over the store. And at one point it pointed at me, you know, and I ducked Uh out of the way, you know, and, you know, he was just trying to look at the barrel and, you know, the action and everything. And he pointed and and I he left the store, and I told the guy, I go, if he comes back, please don't sell him a gun. And the guy goes, why? He goes, did you <laughs> see the way he was pointing that thing around? I mean, you know, he pointed it at me. And, that you know, you never point a gun. Loaded, unloaded, because yep. you don't know. Yeah. You know, and that's how most app- accidents happen. You know, I said, please yep. don't sell him a gun. Please make up some excuse. You know, tell him that he wasn't approved by the state or something. You know, but don't sell him a gun, because if he can do that with an unloaded gun, what's he going to do when he's in his living room with his kids? You know, looking at the gun or showing it off to some friends or something, you know, the thing's going to have bullets in it and he's, you know, somebody's going to pull the trigger and bam, you know, you're going to have a big problem. And um, I'll tell you that the federal and and state authorities are really getting down on people with this. Uh, Not not too long ago, I think it was last week, some guy called up to tell the police that his gun was stolen. The police came in to take a report and then took all of his guns away on the pretext. On the pretext that he didn't store his guns properly.
3: Oh, brother.
0: You know, I mean, huh. somebody guy can get in and steal a gun and they can get in and steal the rest of them. So we're taking them away from you. You didn't have them locked hmm. up properly. And it's like, that. see, now there's an excuse. The yeah. government will always look for a little loophole or an excuse to take your stuff away. You know? So, uh, you know, it's just be careful, folks. It's You know, it's not just guns. It's other things, too. Uh, Eminent Domain, that's another one that, that they use on people a lot. You know, oh, we want to build, put an extra lane in the street, so we're just going to take a third of your front yard and to make that lane. And you have no say in it whatsoever. They'll always win in an Eminent Domain case. Yep. Uh, they'll take your property with it, and then they'll try to lowball you to sell your property. So my dad always used to say, when a government gets big enough to give you, and I think this is a Barry Goldwater saying, uh, when your government gets big enough to give you anything you want, it's big enough to take away everything you have. Yeah,
3: we got it. Yep.
0: That is you know? a very
3: good
0: point. Yep. yep. And, it, and it's bad enough, uh, you know, that it's happening when we have a, a Republican and a very a very good one in office. And I know that he's got no no say in, in small state matters and stuff like that. But um, what did Jesus say? If they do this thing when the tree is green, imagine what they'll do when, when it's dead. You know, that's a paraphrase. And he was Mm -hmm. talking about his crucifixion and, um, so, you know, the tree's pretty green right now and and bad things are happening, but, uh, you know, he's not going to, the Republicans, uh, whether it be him or, uh, or JFK Jr. Comes back and becomes vice president, which is real interesting recently because, uh, uh, Trump's kind of been alluding that, uh, he, he's not happy with Pence. Um, in certain comments that he's made, it's almost like he's he's setting it up to where he's ready to pick a, another uh, person to uh, to share his thro- the throne with, you know, the the presidency with, and uh, you know, I I hope it's the person I mentioned. Uh, that would be really wonderful because that would that would just take down the Democrats in, in one fell swoop.
1: Sorry, I I must not have heard what what person was that?
0: Uh, JFK Jr.
1: Oh, you think. <laughs> I think I he's still you what, alive. If yeah. he's, if, if, if he were alive, that would be shocking. That would send shockwaves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through everything. But, you yeah. know, I don't know. I can't say that for certain that he is alive. But, yeah. boy, if, I mean, he'd have to be hiding out for, I mean, how long has he been technically dead?
0: Well, since, what, the late 90s, early 1000s? I was after yeah. like 9-11. Yeah. wasn't
1: he the wasn't he in a plane uh flying off the coast the east coast somewhere around yeah, right? off, off Connecticut plane disappeared? Yeah
0: Connecticut Yeah yeah and they were awful and, They were but, awful big hurry to get him buried out at sea uh there was no there was no coroner's report no nothing done in that matter but basically they uh, according to what I've read, they found him wrapped him up and dumped him at sea so
3: You think about it you think about it and his daddy Started what Trump is trying to complete,
1: exactly. right? And he got he got killed for it, yep. you know. And
3: it has nothing to do with po- party politics. It had to do with a personal integrity to stop the evil that they knew existed within the country.
1: Well, um, I always wondered why you know so many Kennedys were getting killed. You know uh-huh. what I mean?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even well, at,
1: even after you know JFK, Bobby, and then you know I don't know who else is. Uh, but you know, obviously JFK Jr. has disappeared um, or died. Um, but still, you know, apparently these globalists must see that family as a threat.
0: Yeah. Well, the, they're the chief, they're, the, they're not the the chief the globalist world. was um, George W. George H. W. Bush, and he's been uh, really implicated in the assassination of Kennedy. And it's yeah, also. Yeah, I'm aware it, of. It's really interesting that once Trump became president, all of a sudden, George H.W. became ill and died. And there's many that speculate that he didn't die, that he was executed. Um, Well, I don't
1: know if you saw the video of that. I think it was the funeral where.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Something got handed to um, from George uh, W. Bush to his brother, Jeb. To, and Laura, actually, at Laura it, told them. to Laura actually, to Laura, then yeah. then to Jeb, and the look on Jeb's face,
0: yeah, said no, it said it classic. all. It was so. Yeah. I
1: don't know if it was a photo of their dad, uh, their dad executed. I I don't know what's on there. I, uh-huh. it, it's a picture of something.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: But they they, they he was in shock.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. So, So, you know, I I think that, yeah, the old man was sick and everything, but I think that they just kind of helped him along. I think they said, you know what, if you want to uh, keep your integrity and your legacy, then uh," in other words, like I did to Rommel, like Hitler did to Rommel, you know, here's the gun, you you take yourself out, and everything will be okay, your family will be protected and everything, but... uh, should you not do that, we're going to prosecute you and your family. And when the Nazis prosecuted people, they they were guilty before they ever went to court. Sure. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, so all of a sudden Trump becomes president and this guy goes down. And, you know, it's it's really suggestive that uh, maybe JFK Jr. is in the background uh, in, in the you know, behind the scenes uh, running things with Trump in order to get these a things dark accomplice
3: being a dark horse. He'll come out when he's needed, when he's protected, when he can come
0: out. Right. And imagine, just imagine a look on the face of all the Democrats and <laughs> <laughs> when, when that happens. And half of the Republicans, too, probably. You know, um, there's there, um, there are a couple of instances where, um, at Trump rallies, where there's been a woman and a guy standing together. And the woman is uh, bears a remarkable resemblance to JFK Jr.'s wife. Um, even <clears throat> she looks a little age progressed, of course, because it's been a number of years, but, uh, they've, they've showed side by side pictures and it's, it's a dead ringer. If, if it's not her, it's, it's a perfect doppelganger. Um, right. It, it's amazing. So, uh, it's, uh, when I heard Trump, he, he made some kind of, uh, comment about dissatisfaction with, uh, uh, with Pence and, uh, the other day, and I can't really recall what that was, but uh, it's, almost, it's almost like he's setting it up where he's he's going to choose somebody else to run with him um, the next election. And if if it's JFK Jr., my goodness, you know the whole country will swing and vote for
1: him. Well, I noticed during that that funeral, uh, Bush funeral, they also zoomed in on a number of other people receiving mm-hmm. the same type of envelope. Envelopes,
0: yeah. And did you one know who was... one of them was Pence's wife?
1: Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, what's what's that all mean?
0: What's yeah, <laughs> what's going on
3: with that, man? And makes yeah. inquiring minds want to know.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yep. you, it, just to be a fly on the wall in some of these meetings would just be be incredible, you know. But with you knowledge know, comes responsibility.
3: <laughs> some of the last, uh, democratic uh, speeches. You know, especially during the uh, uh, debates and everything. Um, wh- one was a debate. One the the other one was, um, I think it was the New York uh, crazy, uh, the new
2: oh, female AOC. Yeah.
3: But she was making a proclamation. I swear, there was only two people in the audience. They wouldn't show the audience at all. Uh-huh. And when there was clapping, you could only hear about two claps, and everything was hollow and echoing.
2: Right. When
3: one person did ask a question, everything was echoed as if the room was empty Uh uh-huh now whenever trump has anything they span the whole audience they let you know how many people are packed in there and usually people i was going to say and outside so i mean tell me you're the majority when you can't even you can't even hire actors or something to fill in the place i mean and you get you got you're afraid to let the people know how many you know it's five ten ten people uh in a room they use Gymnasium, gymnasiums from school. Trump right. uses stadiums and can't even have enough people there to to hold them. Right. Well, they want
1: to they want to have a rally in the state of Minnesota uh, in um,
0: Minneapolis. Target,
1: yeah, Target yeah. Center, and the mayor is actually trying to block them from even being able to assemble there, which <laughs> is illegal. Yeah. You know, it is because he wants be to be have weird. a Trump rally there.
0: Yeah, well, because
1: here's the deal. Uh, Last year or in 2016, he almost carried the state of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Uh, He almost won it, Uh, just narrowly lost it. And the reality is is he's got to somehow convince enough voters in Hennepin County, which is, you know, basically where Minneapolis-St. Paul is uh, to vote because that's pretty much the big voting block that uh, that overwhelms the rest of the others rest of the state right and um i, I think they're really scared uh that they could actually lose minnesota an election because he came so close last time right. and he needs to basically get into that area to basically you know stomp and and uh, really get uh people excited about voting for him so mm-hmm. i think it will still happen but um but yeah, it's something to be aware of.
0: Right, right. It's uh, it's interesting because um, these these liberals, you know, it's it's uh, they they, they want to they want socialism. You know, the minute you show Venezuela, oh no, Venezuela is not not a good example of socialism. Whereas uh, Bernie was saying that it was a wonderful example of socialism. A few years ago. <laughs> oh, uh, oh boy! And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and was this with Bernie having heart trouble now? You know, did he? Well,
1: he he didn't have heart trouble. He had a heart attack.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: So he had a two stents put in.
0: Yeah. Um, you got to wonder if it was uh, Hillary that helped him along, though. You know. Um, yeah.
1: You, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, he's pretty old.
0: Yeah. Yeah, from an
1: perspective So it could be just that. Um
3: I don't but, understand why the younger generation is so enamored with him. Um free stuff, Jim. Free stuff. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you.
1: That's yeah. the code word.
3: Yeah.
0: Free Echo stuff. Uncle
3: Bernie, he's never had a real job in his entire life, but he's gonna tell you how to run uh, a business or you know, a country.
0: Yeah. Oh, exactly. come on, please. Yeah. Gosh. Uh huh. You know, Beto is uh, so anti-gun, and then I found out that he was a he's an ex-con. You know, yeah. Of course, <laughs> of course, these of course don't want he's going to be anti-gun. Guns. Yeah, it was exactly. easy for him to do what he needed to do. I didn't
1: realize he was an ex-con. What was right. he in for? Uh,
0: well, I don't know if he was ever convicted, but he was charged with uh, with uh, uh, what is it, burglary? I think it was. <laughs> and uh That's yeah of course funny, huh? you know because if he would have been in that person's house or business and they would have had a gun we wouldn't be worrying about beto right now now we're not worried anyway you know but he wouldn't be factored into the whole equation you know but i think he's he's down he's gone you know what um they were saying oh, bernie that has,
3: um, Bernie has over 10 houses yeah do you know that mm-hmm. who does bernie
1: well i know he had three for sure
3: yeah well, that one article, I you know, and it could be embellished, I don't know, but uh, they said he had up to 10 houses that they, yeah. that they were aware of. It's like, good Lord. I mean, so how come you're not, you know, if you're a true socialist, how come you're not giving some of them away or letting people use them for shelters or whatever, you know, come on, practice what you preach, dude, because for a guy that believes in sharing the wealth and not keeping uh, you know, on over in abundance. Um,
1: no, he he believes in sharing our wealth.
3: Oh, oh that's okay. I see.
1: There you, you gotcha.
3: go. And then, our then taking
1: our wealth and making him rich.
3: Well, that's why, that's what everything happens in socialism and communism.
1: Right. All the people oh, in the government end up with all the money. He's supposed to
3: hide that until he gets elected. Then he can say that.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's,
3: that's probably why they, that's why most in socialism and communism, once they take over, Those that were the most active to promote them and get them established are the ones that kind of have some eyes open, you know, or at least they're putting some dots together. And since they exploited everything and made it look a certain way and they bought into it, now when they're going to be the first ones to detect how much of a sham it is. So they're usually the first ones that are taken out and they have accidents or they are executed right out. Yeah, right. That's a historical fact. I mean, you know, it's, I'm not making this up. This is what happens in every country that ends up becoming communist. Those that promote it the most are the ones taking out the first because they know it's a sham, and they know that those ones are going to be the first ones to detect that it is. So they take them out before anybody can know the wiser. But, yeah, oh, right. I don't
0: know well, the, about- the communists always used to call those people the intelligentsia. Yes. You know, and it's another term for people that can think for themselves.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. You
3: know, even even though they blundered and, you know, thought and and helped put them in, they're also the ones that are going to be the first ones to detect that. It's all a sham and, you know, it's, it's crap. Right. I don't know. So sad, but you know, what's, what's amazing is that from that generation, not to just beat up on that generation, but for those people that have seen past all the crap and become Christians and see, the reality, man, it's like they grow so quick, so fast. It's just amazing. Right. But, you know, though, about it would take that kind of a person to be able to even weed through all the lies because their lives have never been like mine. I know better because I lived in a world that was different. They didn't. They lived with these lies from the time they were born, from the time they watched cartoons, from the time they watched, started playing video games. They've been indoctrinated into all this crap. And they've never known the world that I knew. So for them to be able to overcome all of that, they're pretty perceptive people. And I don't mean that by brains. I mean just by heart, by um, a lot of different, you know, reasons. And I probably basically because they do belong to the Lord and they're on a path of awareness by his Holy Spirit working even before they knew him, just as the scriptures say, you know, that that he knows us even before we knew him. So I mean, we could probably all look back in our own lives before we were Christians and we could see the hand of God working in our lives, directing and steering us ultimately toward him. And so when these guys, the millennials, when they become Christian, boy, they just, man, rapid grow. They're on fire because they had so much more to overcome than what we had to overcome in our childhood, because we still lived, you know, somewhat in a world that was still sane. They're, Grew up in a world of insanity right from the start.
0: Right, right.
3: It's there is hope. Everybody, we're not just beating up and, and getting down on on the younger generation. um There is hope. There's going to be a faithful remnant that are going to be piercing through all the darkness. They're going to be spreading light. They're going to be the finest spiritual warriors this history, is, this planet has ever known. Mm-hmm. So that's what I focus on. There's a hope. It's why I'll go to these places. It's why I'll take some of your. Old crap and disrespect, because it's better to lose a battle and win the war for people's eternal souls. So I can put up with. But it is hard sometimes. I'll tell you. I got to admit, I want to give you the back of my hand when I hear some punk, you know, treating me like I'm some kind of stupid kid, or you know, or I I used to wonder about academics. You know, they they were somewhat reluctant to talk to lay people, but now I get it. I understand it. The shoe's been on the other foot. Mm -hmm. Some people are so blandly ignorant and stupid and i don't mean stupid because they're a stupid person they've been so well indoctrinated with crap and they maybe got half knowledge and so on their half knowledge they think that they can stand and and call me on the carpet for you know for making mistakes or whatever and it's like i can't even begin to address and unwind the stupidity that they're locked into because I can't give you the, the last 30 years of research and study that I've done in a 10-minute conversation. Mm. I don't even know where to begin. Right. So it's better just to avoid it, not that I'm trying to be snobby. I just don't take pleasure in making you look like a jackass or a fool that you are a being, right. And I don't know where to start to make you even begin to comprehend what I know. Mm. Cuz it took me half a lifetime to get to that point. I right. can't tell you in 10 minutes. Mhm. So you avoid it.
0: Yeah. You know I mean, true. well, if
3: you're, if you're truly being the Lord, that you, I, mean, I mean, the representative of the Lord that you're supposed to be, you avoid it. You right. go ahead and descend, you know, and, and
0: let it go. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, I, I've watched it too, because we have, um, my youngest, uh, stepdaughter is a millennial, barely, but still is. And, you know, it's fun. It's kind of interesting to watch a case study, you know, cause you've got two older sisters and they're, they're more um, gen Xers and um, but it's interesting to watch her grow because the other two have kind of you know how do I say this they they're inherently conservative and they're not poli- that much political on the political correct side but the younger one is and but the <coughs> younger one is is growing and it's really neat to watch because she's growing out of experience she's growing out of making mistakes. And sometimes that's the best growth that there is. And um, it was it the other day, uh, you know, Jim, you've seen it in churches and I'm sure you have too, Eric, where they make excuses for the people that, that are big tithers or have been in church for a long time, you know? Yeah. And uh, so uh, one, one of the kids actually hit my grandson. And my grandson is trained in, um, in martial arts,
3: and, which is good
0: because you that know he's a smart thing to do <laughs> yeah he so he you know he he kind of lo- knows to walk away because what he be, what he, <laughs> what he's capable of you know and uh so anyway my you know my daughter just runs in there like mama bear you know you know we re- we need to talk about this right now and so you know they started me well you know the kids probably got you know got problems and the parents are well you know the kids you know, never had many friends. Well, no wonder, you know, if you go hitting people all the time, you're not going to have friends. But anyway, um, I was really proud of her because she went right in there. and She didn't let a lot of Christians were like, well, you know, peace, love and joy and forgiveness, you know, and, and those are good things. But when you got a problem like that, it needs to be addressed. And and people are too easy just, oh, well, you know, I'll just keep my kid away from that kid. And and then, But then the, it perpetuates and other kids get involved. And pretty soon the kid's got a reputation, which he does. So, um, anyway, uh, she just jumped right in there. No, this needs to be resolved right now, you know, and, and, uh, and it turned out really well, actually, and I was really proud of her, but, uh, you know, a few years ago she would have went, oh, well, you know, Jesus forgave. So, you know, I'm just not going to address it, but now she's, you know, she's, she's lived life a bit and she's seen what, what people are like or are capable of, you know, and It's like, you know, I'm, no, I'm going to protect my kids from this. You know, I'm not going to let this happen. And and you know, to, to a degree, she's always been that way, you know, to her credit, you know, she's, she's a mama bear, you know, and, um, but what happened last week just made me really proud of her, you know, when she, when she really jumped in there and addressed that and, and because I've seen it so many times in churches, you know. Oh, well, we don't want to upset the Smiths because the Smiths are big tithers. And if the Smiths left, we wouldn't be able to afford the new roof, you know, and things like yeah, that. Don't it,
1: don't 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 offend me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my last, my, oh, my last I'm name sorry. is Smith, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have picked Jones, maybe.
3: Well, you know, it's like uh, you pay, you get to say, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't like that about um, uh, churches in general because they're too um, corporate structured and business-like and that, they, you know? they're dominated by that method um and i don't i don't like it and that's what's really wrong with the whole 501c3 thing and i think i've gone on a rant about that in a prior a episode rant, at some Eric. point it's a well good it rant. is and yeah but it's just it just kind of shows that you know uh the there's a lot of people that i'll call them the serfs. you know they don't necessarily have a lot of money but right. um their input is valuable as well, but it's not actually valued. Um,
0: right, right, right. Because of the, the way everything's structured, they're the people that usually go clean the church, clean the bathrooms and the toilets.
1: Yeah, you know, keep the people keep that actually running. volunteer to do things. Right, right. run the yeah. sound
0: system and yep. everything else. You know, while the other ones just kind of sit there. Oh, I think I'll put my money in the in the offering plate now, and 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 yeah. God is going to bless me you know. And, it's, and by the way, we're way.
1: going to do things this way, this way, and that way, or or else, you know. Yeah. The,
3: the Pentecostals, because the the indwelling full power gifts and everything of uh, the Spirit are in, in the church, Pentecostals are maybe better at hiding it, or right. knowing that they should hide it, but where the fundamentals, they'll just come right out and tell you, because they don't have that working in their church, so there's no, there's a less BS detector, I guess, you know, that exists there, and so they they can just come right out and say, this is the system. This is the way it is. This is the way it works. Right. Even though it's not scripturally sound, they get away with it. Uh-huh. But all of them are doing it, and that's the problem. They're all doing it. Right. Maybe one's better at hiding it, but you know what? Still, it's it stinks from hell. It's not from heaven. <laughs> we,
0: uh, we went to, um. we were looking for a church for for a long time, and we decided to go to a, a Baptist church down in Eugene. I'm not going to use the name. There's about five of them down there, so nobody's going to know which one we really went to. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we just decided to sit somewhere, um, like in the middle. It's a very, very large church. Well, I think I you just eliminated about seat. three of them. We sat in their chairs. Oh, and, my
3: gosh. And the whole did. time
0: that we that service was going, they were you know whispering to one another. And every once in a while, they'd glance back at us and everything else. So I called the pastor up, and I said, well, you know, <laughs> I was playing naive. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I, I understand in some churches, like in some synagogues, you know, if you pay a lot of money, you get the best seat. I said, is that the case in your church? Oh, no, that's not the case. Where were you sitting? And I said, you know, I explained to him where I was sitting. Well, I want you to come down, and you know you could show me where they were sitting, and, and I'll have a talk with them. And then he says, and I'll call you back in a, you know, in a, a day or two. You know, I never got a call back. <laughs> of course you did. Of course uh, you didn't. Of course I didn't get a call it's back. One of the main
3: titlers, man. We don't, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. It's one of them. Yeah, yeah. When I when I described the section, I was it must be the amen pews or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and uh, I mentioned where we were sitting. I think the guy thought about it. Probably knew who the family was and, and didn't want to offend him And that's okay because I don't want to go to a church like that. You know.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't play church what, politics what, very well.
1: But what church's not that way? You know. That's
0: true. There, there are, you know, like, some, you know and I—I went. To I'm
1: sure there are.
3: The the one church that I went to, the pastor there had, I you know, he didn't have the official rule that he should have had, but he was more outside of the box thinking and more of a, and actually more of a scholar than most pastors are.
2: Right.
3: Um, he read my book. He he went back to the original language, Greek Aramaic, and Hebrew. He verified everything that I you know was writing about, and so. Not many pastors are able to do that. He was. So he was more free-spirited. But still, the way their structure was, um, you know, and it was basically uh, uh, an ethnic denomination based mainly on Italians. Um, So, you know, and I get it. It works. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't have a problem with it. But they've learned. From the syndicate, from the mafia, the best way to make sure that everything's going to maintain on its course, keep family in the business. Family will stay together with family. So pretty much family was the highest, what would you call it, be the rulership in the ministry. Right. But there was a board of elders. And the way they were structured, the board of elders would not only select the pastor to be their pastor, they stayed in charge and directed what the pastor could or could not do. So in their efforts to find a pastor, instead of saying, okay, we need to find a man that we can follow to be the shepherd of the sheep. No, they're looking for a man that is going to be pliable and flexible to to submit to their administration so they can run him and the sheep. That's not right. what is in Scripture. You're a shepherd. You run the sheep. The, the elders are a board to be a, um, a good voice and a support to the pastor. They are someone that the pastor can go to for advice or input, but they are not to tell the pastor how to do his job. Right, That's biblical. That's sound. So what these guys should be doing is looking for a pastor who is going to be someone that they can follow. Because there's a transfer. Once you've located the pastor is going to be your uh, leader, then you submit your authority to him and let him be the shepherd that leads the sheep. But that isn't the way they run it. It's a corporate-type structure. And so the Board of Elders tells the pastor what he can or can't do. Now, many times, being a pastor myself, non-denominational, literally, I mean, I was not accountable to anybody. I was the boss that ran the, the whole shot. I was accountable to God. I didn't have to be accountable to a board. I had a board, and they would come as advisors, and I would, if I had any wisdom, I would consider what they had to say and consider the input. But I could overwrite or overrule anything because my final authority, the buck stops here with me, Mm -hmm. not with them. Right. So – I wouldn't have it any other way. There's no way. You know. And he asked me one time, he says, well, maybe, you know, someday we can come and you could be a part of this ministry. I didn't have a chance to tell him. It's like, no way, dude. I'm not going to ever. That's not going to ever happen. Not until they can get it through their thick head that they don't run me. I run them.
2: Right. Not, right. It's
3: not even a power thing. It's a scriptural, biblical thing. Many times as a pastor, you got to make spontaneous actions right then and there. You can't wait and go to a board first. Can I do this? Can I do that by your permission? By the time they ever get around to making a decision, it's it's water under the bridge. It's past. It's, it's ancient history. Right. So, right. usually too, too late. So, it just doesn't work that way.
0: Well, so, I, I was going to a church in Sacramento, uh, and I love the pastor. I always will, and I always have. The guy, the guy's wonderful, Tom Mooney. And uh, at one point in, uh, in the history of the church, uh, there was some, Self-appointed prophets that got onto the board, and they were N A. Now what I realized who they were—they were N A R. prophets, and the N A R. doesn't see the pastor as being. Um, they they see the prophets and the apostles of the of the uh, the church offices as being above the pastors. Pastors are like anybody else in the congregation. And um, do they so,
3: ever read the Bible?
0: No, obviously not. Or they've. I guess not. You know, they contorted it. Twisty. Yeah, well, so what,
3: contortion, yeah.
0: So what they did is they, um, <laughs> I wasn't there. I'm I'm kind of glad I wasn't because I probably would have thrown them out of the church myself, uh, barehanded. But uh, they, they went in there and basically tried to, uh, to mount a coup during a Sunday service, uh, telling the people that the pastor was in error, that pastors aren't as important as prophets and apostles, and that the pastor should basically listen to them. And anybody that wanted to join them was welcome to lead the service that day. Not one person got up and left, uh, which was really good. <laughs> I thought it was wonderful. No. Yeah. Um, and you know, amen and hallelujah to that. And um, and they they went off and did their own thing, you know. And because I I kind of knew them because I you know they they thought they thought I was prophetic. I you know I I know that I've been given that that gift, but or that office. But you know they were they were kind of testing me out. And my goodness, you should have seen them. How they would mock people in the church in their pr- the private little uh, Sanhedrin meetings, and, and oh, how they, gosh. you know, they would they would mock the pastor. Oh, he's not doing this or not doing that right, you know. And I'm, and I was, I, I think I went to two or three of their meetings, and then it didn't go anymore because then they, they were trying to test me and put me through different prophetic tests, and I, it, it was the most bizarre <laughs> thing I've been through in my entire life. And, and uh, they have so, a
3: little there to, to register is it a five or a one or a two or three? I right.
0: guess. Yeah. You know, we oh, had to, we had to share intimate things in our life and I'm glad I didn't share too much because oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. God knows where that would have gone. <laughs> really? you know, and not, yeah. not that I've got, you know, any secret sin or anything like that, but you know, there's parts of my life that, uh, you know, I only share with my wife or, or very close friends or brothers in the Lord, you know? And, um, so uh, anyway, yeah, so I got to witness that personally, the NAR, and uh, I've had a strong dislike for them. Um, they're they're the anarchists of the church, as far as I'm concerned, and um, and we know what happens to anarchists. So I'm just waiting you know, for the... go ahead. They
3: have, they have an element of, of truth, sandwiched in a wrong premise and wrong conclusion, that I think is really wise to consider. And that's the seven planks or the seven points um, – of how to take back or undo what the devil has done. devil comes in and robs, kills, and destroys. But he does do it in a seven different aspects of culture. And so what they have there, what they present, is a gem. It's a goldmine of how to undo that.
2: The only right. thing is,
3: Jesus undoes it, not us. But we right. are aware of these seven facets. So these are areas that we can prayerfully allow God to retake what the enemy has taken so that part is good but the rest of it not so good
0: the listeners need to be need to know also though but that uh their their object taking back those areas is to basically clean up the the world and present jesus with the perfect world when he returns you know so that's that's what i'm saying they have a wrong
3: conclusion there's no way jesus said except these days be shortened, there should no flesh be saved that means mankind on his own efforts and his own achievements No matter how well-intended it is, we put ourselves on the brink of total extinction. I think we're already there, though, uh, Dave. I mean, people are dropping dead like flies, in case you haven't noticed, from cancer and leukemia. Everything that uh, tells us overexposure to radioactivity is doing. And Fukushima is still spewing out plumes of smoke in the air and dumping God knows how much radioactive water into the oceans that's why we're seeing strange life forms that we living in the very deep washing up on our shores that we've never even seen before that's why sharks are eating people now they're running out of food you know why because one third of the life in the oceans are dying just like the bible said it would that's right we're here it's happening mm-hmm. who did it well fukushima did is it japanese fault certainly not no way uh-uh. god those people are probably our best allies because We did something the Bible told us to do. Love your enemies. At the World War II, we didn't come in here and, and, uh, you know, massive hangings and gathering people up to the gallows. And we didn't even remove their emperor. Right. We did was what? We sent evangelists over Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and loved our enemy. And when they saw what happened, what the fears of what they thought was going to happen in contrast to what happened, even, um, what was it? Major... Uh, General MacArthur. Well, yeah, well, no, no, I'm, I'm not mean about him, but I mean, there was a, there was a,
0: oh, um, there was yeah.
3: a minister came and Fushada, mm-hmm. I think it was a major Fushada, was part of the Japanese Air Force. He was the leader that, that led the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Right. He got saved a Baptist minister and led thousands of Japanese to Jesus. <laughs> I mean, this stuff works amazing, if you, it, yeah. you know, uh, like the way the Bible says. And now they're one of our best. I mean, they were atrocious in World War II, they were monstrous, yep. and yet uh-huh. they're our best ally uh, yeah, we just, in the world.
1: We just signed yeah. some major trade deals with them as well. Um, we actually, uh, for like in my state, anyway, a lot of our uh, corn and and our number of things ha- has always gone over to China but with all the the trade wars a lot of that's been on hold and uh but now um a lot of that is actually going to be going to Japan mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. which is fine so, by yeah. me
3: well uh, I own a I own, a, like, I, I own nope. a
1: Toyota so I'm I'm pretty happy with it.
3: <laughs> wow. when Dave and I were in uh in Roswell um I would meet a lot of Japanese that paid big money just to come over to Roswell to see where the whole UFO alien thing came. And I was really, you know, I was really impressed how much they really loved Americans and appreciate well, you
1: gotta, You got to think about it, you know, in a lot of ways at one point uh, them as a nation was, they were quite a, quite behind the times and compared to uh, Western civilization. Yeah. Uh, I think at some point, I, I don't know who, someone showed up um, and they re- made the realization, oh, we have to modernize, otherwise we're going to be in, in trouble. And they did. I mean, like none other. Yeah. I mean, if it, of any nation that's ever mimicked uh, Western c- civilization uh, or a Western country, it's it's been Japan. I mean, mm-hmm. straight mm-hmm. up. And yep. uh, also South Korea.
3: Right. The, one, the one turning major turning point happened in 1903 when um, Tsarist Russia was the greatest, at that time, they were the biggest, largest Navy, uh, the second biggest, largest Navy in the world. I think England, maybe, you yeah, know, England was still number one, I think, but they were number two. They had a situation happen that caused them to... Come in and show a muscle force against uh, Japan. Yep. But Japan had a two point plan of attack that the Russians weren't prepared for. Nearly, nearly mm-hmm. annihilated the entire Russian, Tsarist Russian Navy. Mm-hmm. So that went to their heads. They realized, hey, you know, if we could take on the world's largest. So a guy named Yamamoto. And um, another guy, what was his name? Well, Yamamoto was the one to carry it, implement it out. But another guy, Tanaka, uh, Tanaka, that's that's his name. He wrote what was called the Tanaka Papers later. It was a 60-year plan on how to take over the entire um,
2: Pacific Pacific,
3: nations and everything. And then spread on from there. But he had a 60-year plan on how to do that. If anybody would have bothered reading those plans, and one person did, um, and that was... um, uh, darn, do I got to grab my book to look at the beginning? That's what the czar, uh, no, no, no. The um, our, an American uh captain that later became general. Um, my gosh, why can't uh, I
1: didn't everybody laugh at him or whatever when he was talking well, about that?
3: He was discharged out of the navy when he was trying to warn the navy yes. department that wasn't that, not do, of no,
0: course, it wasn't do little. Um, not
3: do little don't know what was made when they made the raid? Um, my oh, gosh!
0: Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I just can't oh, remember my... his name right now. All right, where's? I
3: got a. I have a copy of my book somewhere. I can look.
0: Perry, not Perry. It... Um, that was an admiral. Um, if I don't find my book, I'm going to be looking at two o'clock
3: in the morning, and I'll have it. And then I'll be, oh, okay, here I am. I got it. Okay, I just got to look at the very beginning here. Oh, this is terrible! How come I can't? Senior citizen moment.
0: Got to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens to the best of us. Trust me, it really does. Billy Mitchell. Billy Mitchell. That's right. Captain yep, that, that. Billy Mitchell.
3: Mm-hmm. He wrote to the War Department in 1924, and he says, in his estimation, that the next war is going to be with Japan, with carrier-based. Um, Airplanes Now, carrier-based airplanes in 1924 was just a new creation that nobody thought was even going to really work. They mocked
0: him for it. They mocked him for it to the point where he had to sink a battleship in order to prove it, and they still didn't believe him.
3: Well, and they made him do a high-level bombing, and he said, that's not going to work. We have to dive-bomb these things. You let me dive-bomb, and I can sink a thing in a matter of minutes. They said, no, you're going to do a high-level. So they they set him up to fail in front of all— there was this was a they made a big deal on it they had everything arranged to set him up to fail so they figured they would put a stop to his opening his mouth and they invited all the delegates from all over countries and everything unfortunately yamamoto was one of them in the audience and so was herman Göring.
2: uh-huh
3: so they're taking notes so so billy mitchell had he's he in his mind he said if i obey orders I'll not only look like a fool, which he didn't really care about, but I will forever not give them the main strategy that I know is going to be either our victory or defeat in the next war.
0: Right.
3: If I go along with what they say, we could lose the war to our enemies mm-hmm. so he he and he already had this prearranged with with uh, the rest of the pilots, and they followed him you know willingly. Um, he didn't try to make him or anything. He says, if they are not going to let us do it our way, then I'll give you the signal, and we're going to do our way anyway. Are you with me? Everybody was 100% with him. So when they they were made to do a high-level bomb, they kind of just uh, gave him the bird and said, to heck with it. We're sinking this doggone German battleship. So they dive-bombed that sucker, and within minutes, it was destroyed. It was recorded that uh, General Pershing, the Army hero from World War I, openly wept at what he saw because it meant all their battle tactics meant nothing what he right. said was true now even then they didn't reward him or thank him or anything they marched him and bust him from uh from general to captain and sent him into the mexican border in total obscurity you know you're out of sight out of mind now and uh but unfortunately yamamoto says aha we gotta work on carriers and Goring says, "Aha, we got to work on our air force, Stuka dive bombers. Yep, you got it, you got it, man. That's exactly where that inspiration came from. So, you know, our enemies were preparing. They saw, wow, this is going to work. Um, and we remained stupid. You know, we're going to use um, uh, zeppelins loaded with helium. Oh, that's a great idea, boy. Yeah, it's <laughs> bombing and it's a human torch, you know." Um, <laughs> Uh. What, you know, and sometimes it's just stupidity like that. But, but he wrote, he wrote a final letter in 1924, and said that, according to what he had read, and he had read the Tanaka papers. He had just gotten back from Japan. He said, in my estimation, our next war is going to be with carrier-based um, airplanes from from Japan, and they will bomb probably Hawaii first, and a second phase bomb to uh, Wake Island. And it'll be a surprise attack. And it will be devastating. My God, was that guy, you know, I don't really know on his personal life what his faith was or anything, but I've always wondered, was he a Christian? If he wasn't, he was the first secular prophet just based on history alone, knowing the patterns and and things that are going on. That's exactly what happened. A first wave attack on Hiroshima, uh, first wave attack on Hawaii and a second wave attack on Wake Mm -hmm. Island. Yeah. Yeah. And thank God, you know, if our carriers had been in the bay and not on the, out in the ocean, they would have wiped our entire navy out. That was think.
0: deliberate, too.
3: I think it was. I it think was. they must. They were. They were drawing them. Uh, they wanted to be drawn into the the uh, war, and they knew that that was the only way to do it. Or now that was Eleanor Roosevelt. But you can't say that because he was one of our greatest presidents we ever had. Because I read that in Wikipedia, so it must oh. be true.
0: Please,
3: Good <laughs> golly! That guy was the biggest traitor this world's ever known. As far as well, no, I think Obama's got him beat. But
1: you're uh, talking he, about Franklin Franklin D. Roosevelt. Franklin, yeah. Franklin
3: D. Roosevelt.
1: He, well, he put the he put the Japanese American Japanese uh, people in internment camps in our own country.
3: Insane, I know. Yeah. It, you know, same white, just because they had slanted eyes. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And that, that is horrible. And we did pay reparations, which which they deserve. But that's just. That's crazy, but you know, at the same time, what people don't say though, what they don't know, we also put Germans in internment and camps. Italians
0: too. too. Yep,
3: yep, we did. But we did know, the the Italians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that had had a little more resistance because the mafia was pretty strong then, you know. But but uh, yeah, there were. Um, hmm.
0: We didn't well, know we exactly
3: used, who the enemy was.
0: We used the yeah. mafia in, in Sicily when we <laughs> um, when we, we attacked Sicily from North Africa the mafia had a lot to do with um the sicilians fighting you know or or qu- uh, quenching the plans of the uh the nazis oh yeah but, yeah
3: cuz the, they actually came to uh the military and offered their services they said look we're well connected in italy you know you know um and so yeah some of them actually died as american heroes yeah. because let's face it you know i mean okay maybe they were looking at it for a business purpose
2: yeah his F- Nazi future
3: <laughs> Yeah, they're going to destroy my business. So, you know what? I got to get over there and kick their butts because I don't want no jackboot kicking me, telling me what I can do or can't do.
2: Exactly. So
3: I'm connected. I'll fight them. And they, they did fight them. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, and this is where it's business. You have to look past you know the enemy of my enemy. Actually, it's Saladon, uh, a Muslim. That's a quote from what he said. Right. The enemy of my enemy becomes my you know friend. Right. Well, um, in business, the same way. When you're in business, if you really want to make uh, you know, the ultimate profit, you have to overlook some people's stupidity, some people's uh, beliefs, even their personal taxes to you. If there's a symbiotic relation that could be made and everybody can make money and nobody's going to lose, then you do it. That's uh-huh. just the way business is conducted. That's why Trump, being in there, he gets that. He'll work with some of, uh, of our enemies if we can mutually benefit. Right. And we're not going to be hurt by it. And other people, they, they just they don't get that, especially mm-hmm. – administrative legislative people that have never owned a business in their life that don't even know how to own a business that's what i hate about communists and and you know one thing you'll find about most communists and socialists you know for a long record they never worked a job they never held a job they don't understand business they don't understand it they're filled with idealistic stupidity idealism that doesn't work because the bible's shown us how it does not work because there's examples of people that you know There's nothing new under the sun, the Bible says. It's all been done before. That's why we have all these stories. The stories aren't just, you know, fairy tales of the past. They're examples for us to either follow or not follow, Mm -hmm. because there's nothing new under the sun. Every form of government's already been tested, tried, and either proven true or proven false. So you don't believe the Bible, you know what? You don't have any wisdom or history to base your uh, predictions on. It's just well-meaning, well-intended humanistic ideas that uh, basically stink from hell and Diated. because
0: there's a guy that's yep right. yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh it's amazing uh by the way there was one legislator that worked for a living she was a bartender um <laughs> uh, <laughs> well and my my mother was a bartender so i'm not gonna
3: laugh too
0: loud yeah but your mother was probably a you know a decent well not even probably you've told me stories about her i know she was a decent human being but um you know i'm, I'm talking about the half donkey half human uh AOC, um, you know that's uh, I uh, the I don't you know I don't blame her as much as I blame the idiots that voted for her, <laughs> but there are a lot of people that are that are uh, running against her in her own district that uh, probably should win. Um, seeing Let's hope so. What she's done against her own district. Uh, I think they were going to uh, they were going to open up a um, an Amazon I think distribution center in that area, and she put the kibosh on that. That would have been thousands of jobs in her in her precinct, you know. And because of how her, did,
3: how did she stop that? I mean, who would even want to listen to her supporter?
0: They wouldn't want to, They wanted tax incentives, and she would she she voted against the tax incentives. Oh, well. And, you know, sure, you know, maybe they're a rich corporation and they probably don't need the tax incentives. But uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, uh, Amazon is uh, federally subsidized. Um, And how do I know this? Because oh, uh, you're kidding me. We have we have um, relatives that live overseas and it would be far easier for them to order from Amazon and have it delivered to them. However, they can't do that because Amazon won't deliver outside the United States. Because if they do, then they have to pay the postage. Um, everything that they deliver is, is in the United States and/or Canada, I think, and um, and therefore, you know, they don't have to. All their all their mail is federally subsidized; they don't pay anything. That's why they can offer you free shipping. Uh, they don't pay for it, so why should they charge you for it?
1: Well, Trump was trying to get that change because basically, you know, they were leveraging the. Um... United States Postal Service, which was taking a, a bloodbath on shipping to right. accommodate that uh, for Amazon, and right. uh, I know at some point there was some something Trump was trying to do to get that changed because he does not like uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, and, and I don't. I don't, either. I don't uh, either. And one of the one of the reasons I don't like him is basically the. United States government. I think the some branch of the military is looking to use Amazon uh, cloud or um, Microsoft Azure, which is Microsoft's version of the cloud, to move all their data center infrastructure for you know Ooh, IT that's type. That's dangerous. You know, yeah, in, into the control in the hands of Amazon or Ooh. Microsoft. And yeah, yeah. You have a lot of mini and, and guns and so, laser so, or something. So there. Trump. So basically, Trump put a pretty much a, like some kind of hold on the whole process of it the, because they were evaluating different vendors. I think it was Amazon and uh, Microsoft, and then I think who are the other two? Oracle and then um, IBM. And uh, anyways. Yeah.
3: IBM has a lot of experience working with the government on black ops stuff so.
1: Yeah. So uh but anyways <laughs> Trump put a hold on the whole process of choosing a um selecting one of these for moving to the cloud for all their
3: right.
0: uh,
1: their, their stuff uh, and I uh, um I don't know how much you know about cloud computing in general. I don't Our, put I don't trust cloud. it. I don't
3: No. Know. I'm but, not going to have anybody I'll put my stuff on virtual reality somewhere and then say someday that I want to get it back. And then it's going to tell me, no. Yeah, That's so basically
1: the what they want to do is commoditize. Um, like, you know, most companies have, have their own infrastructure, IT infrastructure. Right, right, they want right. to com- commoditize that all into the cloud. And you just, you just basically buy time in the cloud for compute and to run all your, uh, applications and services through there um you,
3: but, you know, but the thing see is see is it,
1: it actually it actually costs two thirds more to run uh all that uh in the cloud that it does to run it on your own infrastructure um
0: it, within the company saw, so you don't, you, you don't control. actually save money it slows, money. You, it slows Eric, your computer about down control, to nothing. Isn't it? well
1: it's you all give up control. control yeah you give I up control do. on events that they the own thing in fact there was an issue at one point where someone hit a wrong keystroke on a on on something within Amazon's infrastructure and they took out, uh, almost every, uh, production, uh, customer that they had oh, was goodness. down for four hours. Uh, mm-hmm. so your, your hands are in the, the hands of, uh, someone else that you can't do anything about because you're completely dependent on them. Exactly. So I wonder what the end goal is to basically suck everybody's business, uh, businesses into the cloud and then I, I don't know what the end game is per se but i can tell you right now it's not good
2: right. so. No, the
3: thing is what if what if the un decides that uh, a certain nation has now become a hostile nation against the world or something and so they shut everything down you got all your information on your ministry or your business or even yeah. let's say you're a military contractor for this country now all of a sudden your country is deemed a, a a rogue nation or something all of a sudden you lost everything
2: That's You have yeah. nothing So you need to back
3: it up on your own hard drive because, hey, that's where my stuff is over there. I thought it was safe. Well, in this climate of changing alliances and nations and everything, man, no way. I'll keep my own hard drive. Thank you.
1: Initially, they had most of these Amazon data centers uh, not located in the United States but overseas. That's
2: that's where people
1: were provisioning their stuff. And then someone got wind wind of it and like, uh, no, you will host this stuff on-premise in the United States. You will not have our data leave the United States. Yeah, just something about and having it held in
3: it. Ran, it wouldn't be too cool, I don't think, right?
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> but yeah, I can't remember where they had it, um, had them at, but that was kind of a big, you know, no-no, so. Right. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to go no, in that no, rant. No, that's but, okay. Oh, no, that's, that's
3: good that's stuff. Into we, into need, the whole we need to know all this it. stuff. Yeah. yeah, we need yeah. to know this.
0: You know, like... um I have an Apple computer, and I know you guys always joke around about it. But, you know, there's some things you can do on an Apple you just can't do on a PC, especially when it comes to artistic stuff. But anyway, um, I mean, without paying through the nose and, and getting yeah. a program yeah. that, that, uh, <laughs> that you know, you have to have a, a degree in a certain college course to be able to operate.
3: Most graphic artists say that that's the best for, you know, video processing
0: and graphics sound, and everything else. Sound oh. and everything else in video, yeah. Anyway, um, so I noticed that when I I put my stuff on the cloud, man, my computer just slowed down to almost nothing. And I read a lot of people are having the same problem, so I shut the cloud off. Well, you what
1: know, uh, I mean, what are you, what are you, what are you using that's actually stored in the cloud?
0: Well, I, I had everything stored in it. It was basically all
1: all, all yeah. your documents and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so I, yeah, I well. shut that off, and and I the man, the computer immediately just got. Fast so, as it's supposed to be.
1: Here's the big problem with the cloud right now. So a lot of companies were sold a lie that they could move all their stuff into it. Right. But what they didn't tell them was there's something called latency, network latency. Yes. And there's there's a number of applications that are very uh, latency sensitive compared to running it localized. Right. And they don't tell you that. Well, there was a number of companies that, you know, decided to, you know, fire all their IT staff and move everything into the cloud and they did it. And then, then it performed and ran ran like garbage.
2: Right. Right. (laughs)
1: And that's exactly Um, what happened. So not everything, um, (laughs) works well to run in the cloud, uh, per se.
0: Yep. I got, I went out and bought the six gig terabytes worth of hard drives and I back up everything on my hard drives. Um, and then we're going to have a major uh, 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 network hard drive here where we're just going to have all of our files so we, Barbara can access hers, I can access mine. And, um, you know, we're getting going to have that set up pretty soon so that uh, we're, you know, we don't have to depend on clouds anymore because... <laughs>
1: uh, well, it, it's, it's good. Uh, the only thing I would say, um, being, you know, I've worked in backup and recovery is... Uh, You you want an on-site copy of your data, but you also want an off-site copy of your data. Mm -hmm. Because if your house house burns down, then what good does it do you?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that's something
1: you got to think about. So, you know, be mindful of what you store on there. I mean, can you afford to want to lose that data in a, you know, if your house gets hit by a tornado or I don't. Of course, I don't know if you get tornadoes, Dave. But,
0: um, well, yeah, they're starting around here. But, you know, in all fairness, people have had their, their paperwork. It's in their, in their house for years, you know, and if a tornado hits, like back in the 50s, you know, you had your birth certificates and everything else. And then when a tornado hit, it went anyway. <laughs> so, that's um,
1: true. Other than, you know, some people had, uh, you know, fireproof uh, safes.
0: Right. Yeah, but your but average that's... person never had that stuff. You know, yeah, probably most not. Most people were average back then, and uh, right,
1: there's inherent inherent risk there, but
3: yeah. So, well, I, I do keep everything backed up on an external drive, and I unplug it every night so that you know nothing. No D Wave computer can ever get in there and grab everything or fry it or whatever. Yeah, and
0: shut your computers down when you're when you go to bed at night too. Don't leave them yep. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was an, uh, uh, an episode of the X Files one time, and uh, Scully was sitting there in her, her living room, and all of a sudden, her computer, turned, her computer was turned on remotely.
1: Right. Was her mouse moving around
0: by itself? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was happening. But all of a sudden, all of her data was just being downloaded. Yeah, you know. And hey, what uh, are the what are the
3: chances that we could get Jonathan Gray back? Oh, really? Well, What wow. I- Good. I, I would sure like to bring him back. I want to hear about the oops arts, out of place objects. You know, like I mean, you know, I'm sure he's he's got a handle on it better than than I have, and I'd just like to hear all of his experiences, his collection. I mean, you know, I, I did just one time. I wanted to find out about a um, a Neanderthal man that had a um, thirty caliber bullet. Uh, the forensics did a study on it, just as if it was a, a criminal case, and after examining everything, based on all the evidence, everything they literally could find the caliber, the make of the gun, and everything, and it was a, a it was a carbine uh, thirty caliber huh. that killed killed this Neanderthal. So I wanted to go back and find out where I found that. It had been quite a few years. I went back and looked, and my gosh, the amount of material that's come out now of all the different fossilized remains that, have, that they now recently have. You know, put under scrutiny and had other places send out, not knowing exactly what it was, but sent out and said, treat this as a regular forensic case. What can you find out? Right. And there's a triceratops, there's a triceratops with a bullet hole entry and exit that came from a, a 7.62 NATO round uh, shell. Huh. <laughs> so, how does that happen, man? And
1: how I, does that happen? Time there travel. Are,
3: there are there are fossilized remains all over the place from all kinds of different things. Uh, not only just Cro-Magnon, uh, Cro-Magnon and and other life that is now extinct, that somebody – and sometimes they get it right down to the manufacturer. A Heckler uh, & Koch 9mm. There's another one that was uh, um, uh, an AK-47. Uh, 7. How, can that, how, how can that be? Well, that's what we need to talk about. How okay. can that be?
0: There's only two ways yeah. that could be: time travel, of course, oh, or yeah, or, or we're living in that. we're living in a time that was once lived before, and maybe there was a company back before the flood named Remington. And Remington, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. no, serious. Well, I'm not kidding around about know, this. But yeah. you know,
3: the thing is, there there was one mummified um, remains with an Elgin watch around the uh-huh. person's wrist.
0: Right. I think it.
3: So there's two things I see. One of them is we don't understand fossilization. Fossilization to Mount St. Helens. Mount St. Helens, the ash, reproduced, as it came down, it came down sometimes three, four foot thick. It came down, rapidly buried a lot of plant and animal life, and it reproduced the environment. It made itself kind of a muddy slurry, and it reproduced the conditions that the Great Flood, Noah's Flood, had it rapidly buried or organic material um, so that air couldn't get at to it. So it didn't, it didn't decompose. What happened was it remained there long enough for mineral deposits to replace on a cellular level and turn it into a fossil. It only took 10 years to fossilize something. This undermines, undermines all of our preconceived ideas. Paleontologists, archaeologists told us all it takes billions and billions. You know, no, it doesn't took 10 years. Right. That's why another person found a fossilized, it, he found a mummified boot, a you know, fossilized boot that was made by uh, in Texas that was a Texan boot and some good old Texan boy that lost it, maybe only a couple hundred years old, but it was fossilized. Right. Now, it right. wasn't thrown back in a time. It just means our fossilization process was not understood. A metamorphic rock that encased a geode, but what was inside when they cracked it open was a spark plug. Right. Right. So... You know, there's a lot of anomalous things. Some of them can be naturally explained. Others cannot. When you get a fully fossilized um, mummy and you've got it with a modern name brand, I don't think Elgin went back in a time and ha- or was in business before the flood and not just decided to come back after the flood. Right. I mean, right. things show that we have an enemy that is able to transverse time. Who knows what the heck? I don't think they got so far sophisticated with it that they had travel tours going back and you could hunt like in the, the butterfly effect or no, that was not it either. It was called, there was when I stepped on a butterfly, that was going out hunting a T-Rex and the guy accidentally stepped on a butterfly. And so when it came back, everything was all messed up the whole timeline. I don't think it's that critical, but um, you know, and I don't think we'll I'll be allowed to do that, but there is a scripture in Daniel that says, and he will be able to,
0: and, and he, he will times have and seasons. Yeah,
3: yeah. times and seasons. And the one word means change linear time and it will be given unto him for time, times and dividing a time. That's past, present and future is what that scripture just told me. Right. You know, it's limited in what he can do, what he can do it. But unfortunately, you know, they've done it. And when you got, mm-hmm. you know, all the history of the, the Bahana that came white, you know, white ma- bearded masses that came from the heavens and shared with the Hopi Indians. Uh, their their uh, environmental relationship with uh, nature and man and and taught them yeah, a lot they of
0: blonde hair blue eye too
3: <laughs> and they wore and they wore for a good luck charm they wore the swastika and the german knight's cross around their neck duh mm-hmm. right. what yeah. the heck, you know i mean so you know it's a lot of weird stuff but you know jonathan gray you know he's got a whole website dedicated to out-of-place artifacts and so he's right. got stories that i just love to hear and he's, you know, because he's been able to trot around the world, and he is a trained archaeologist, um, it'd be interesting to see what he found. Me, I got a, a a chunk of rock that is denser than anything you could imagine. It's only about the size of my fist, but it weighs about something that would weigh four times its normal size, so it's right. really dense. Mm-hmm. I had it examined. My, dad, my grandfather told me it was a meteorite. He had checked in Pittsburgh, apparently, or whatever. But, um, when I lived in Roswell, I went to Arizona. They have the largest Arizona uh, meteorite museum, and they're kind of experts in doing, um, you know, spectral analysis and all kinds of other stuff, you know, to to find out whether something is a meteorite or not. So I cut off a sample and gave it to them, and it came back and it had no nickel whatsoever in it.
2: Uh-huh. So they
3: said it wasn't a meteorite. Well, my grandfather was given this to him. Um, another relative. And I want to say like in the thirties, but I'm not really sure. And he's passed away. I can't verify it. But when it came back, the majority of it was iron, but it was iron mixed with titanium.
0: Huh? That's interesting. Now, there's, Jim, I've got a rock like that in my backyard. It feels, it's it's too heavy to be basalt because, you know, we're all volcanic around here. And I, I just out of curiosity, I tried to attach a magnet to it. It was not, mag, mag, you know, a magnet wouldn't attach to it, but it is not, it is not any, any volcanic rock that I've ever seen. I've held basalt before. It's really heavy and, and yeah. but it's got, it's got holes in it like a meteorite. Hmm. And, and so I, I don't know what to think of it. I really don't.
2: Now well, you can tell you
0: theres going to be some government guys in my backyard now I know it but... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the, the thing is that
3: if my grandfather was given us in 1930 titanium wasn't even created right. until 1957. uh-huh so I call it my Nephilim metal you know post, I, don't, post I don't
0: flood yeah anyway yeah
3: yeah mm-hmm. it's, you know it's weird I, I it's just where the heck did that come from I, I don't know I haven't you know and could my grandfather have made a mistake? possibly you know i i i will never know probably until i get on the other side of the grave but well i keep it i keep it it it's my ice chopper when i have a bag of ice and it gets you know all stuck together because it's been there a long time i take the ice and i beat it with my my heavy rock but cool uh, it's just so cool. it's something <laughs> just weird now i could go back to pennsylvania and they have um a museum there where they can every Every kind of um, metal that is made in any kind of a tank, or you know, yeah. especially when it's combined, it leaves a fingerprint, just like um, just like a, a human leaves a fingerprint. It has a fingerprint, so that they can tell where it was um,
0: manufactured. Yeah, manufactured
3: or made, because it you know the process leaves that specific thing, so they'll know where it was. I would be interested to find, if they could find it, oops, then it was a mistake. If they can't find it, uh, we're in a twilight zone where I like to be. That means it's something of anomaly. But he's anomalies, you know, like the Ming Dynasty, there's an aluminum belt buckle. They didn't even have aluminum until the 1700s, and this is from the
0: 1500s. So, you know. You know what I think is really interesting, Jim, is you make fun of me and Eric because of the the Nephilim stuff, but you're using stone tools to crush ice. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
2: Eric? (laughs) Right.
3: It's the Danish in me, I guess, you know. Oh, that's the other, you know, we were talking earlier, and, you know, I was talking about praising the Polish. Well, you know, and and I'm a guy that is, you know, my genetic background is more um, English, a little Scottish, and I didn't know that, but it certainly explains some of my personality, I think. That's cool. I kind of like that. Um, But mainly Danish and and, uh, uh, some German. And uh, the German probably only because our – our farm existed on the middle border, right on the borderline. Half of the farm was in Germany. Half the farm was in uh, in Denmark after the 1840, I think it was around 48, 1848, they had a major war. And when they solved uh, where the borderline was going to be, it was right split right down the middle of our farm. And so the two brothers that owned it said, okay, that's it. We're going to America. I'm glad they did. I didn't really,
2: you know. Yeah, I'm glad they did. Too.
3: Live. <laughs> I'm glad I'm an American. I'm glad I lived there. My grandfather spoke Danish, and I, if I would have known that, I would have pumped him to teach me. I never knew that about him, that
0: yeah. he knew that. Yeah. My grandfather spoke Italian, and I never, you know, would have been nice to know, because then I could speak to the Mexicans, too, because they all seem to get along and, and talk to each other. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know if you realize it, but you've gone. 19 minutes and 10 seconds into pumpkin time.
3: I was going to type in pumpkin time and I thought, I, I don't know where
0: to go I mean, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm in the past here. But <laughs> you, you are. are. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, Eric, unfortunately, has to take care of real life and play with computers all day tomorrow. So we probably should let him go to bed.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a good yep. idea.
3: Yeah. That's why you know so much about computers folks. Cause this guy's the computer guru at, um, well, wherever he works. He's got a new place now, but
0: Yep. He's helped me out a few times when I've had questions. He's offered advice that has come out to shelf. be the right advice. So a top shelf guy, that's for sure. Yeah. What he's well, doing. I
1: know a few things.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're being humble. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's a good quality. But I think yeah. you're not giving yourself credit for you know all that you know. But that's just me. So anyway. But I'm appreciative of you, Eric, I really am, and for very many things, and I know Jim feels the same way, so. Oh, well, yeah. I'm
1: glad you're appreciative of me, I'm appreciative of myself, too.
0: And I didn't mean to use the Smiths <laughs> earlier when I was using my analogy, I didn't even realize. Smith, Jones, We're
3: <laughs> yeah. maybe what's... thinking about Mr. Smith from uh, The Matrix or something. What was yeah, I could
0: have... I could have been. I could have said Melchizedek or something like that, you know. But uh, <laughs> I just picked the first name. it's Smith's a good name. So, anyway, guys. Well, I guess we'll we'll conclude here, and um, and I'll work on this file tonight and get it up um, and going. It's it's already there, but I just want to make sure it's okay. We, sound level, yeah, and prob- everything.
3: We probably couldn't get. Um... We probably couldn't get um, Jonathan Gray so short as like next week, but maybe you can work on it. But maybe next week, what do you suppose? I found out some new interesting stuff about Gene Roddenberry. Oh and, yeah, and maybe we can do something like that tomorrow, uh, next week, and go boldly where, or baldly, where no man, depending on whether you're doing Jenna, uh,
2: I'm next
0: generation.
3: Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bald, no, no, baldly go where no man's gone before. You know, that would be je- the next generation series.
0: But there's yeah, been a but bunch. I think that's really interesting information that people need to know because it's it's vital, actually. <laughs> so. Oh, I,
3: uh, you know, I didn't know whether to cry or laugh or what
0: when I first understood that
3: the possibilities. But we're not going to say too much more of that. we'll just
0: leave. Yep. A hand yeah, on there. save it for next Monday. Yeah,
3: next so, Monday.
0: Yep. And I'll get on. Uh, I'll get on my email and, and mail out Jonathan Gray and tell him that we'd like to have him back. So it'd be great. Okay, fellas. All right,
3: guys. <laughs> All right. Well. Just send in a little prayer, and, uh, and, we'll, and then we'll say goodbye, say to, everybody. to everybody.
0: Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Jim, if you, like, you would mind.
3: Lord, we just thank you and praise you, and know that, Lord, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. We can rely, help all of our audience to know that we can rely that God has everything in control. Our nation looks like it's more spun out of control now than it ever has before. We have crazy people trying to provoke World, uh, World War III. We have other crazy people that are trying to provoke a civil war right within our own nation. Lord. You've given us promises that we can be overcomers in these times, that these times would be the hardest times in the world. But you've given us promises that guarantee that you don't guarantee us that we're not going to die in it, but you guarantee us that we can have a peace that passes all understanding, that we can remain calm, that we can remain confident, we can remain uh, knowing that your promises and our lives are in your hands, that we, our lives cannot be taken by man. They're given when our time is up. When we've I done all that we can do, help right. us, everybody in the audience, let this be a, a revelation to their own inner spirit. Lord, deep by your spirit, that we can remain calm, that we can be that know you and we can exploit the situations to bring others into your kingdom. If they see us being fearful, angry, frustrated, just like the rest of the world, how are they going to see the difference? But Lord, help them to come and grab from you the strength of your promises, the confidence of your love the assurance that we're going to be okay whether we live or die because we're going to go on to be with you forever and no more pain or suffering. We're going to have all knowledge and all awareness of everything. Help us all to see and be focused on that above anything else, Lord. Help us to remain calm, to remain explosive and are opportunistic to build your kingdom up in the hardest times that we're about to face. I just ask you in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, folks, have a blessed week. Until we get to meet again next week and talk about Gene Roddenberry and uh, and how um, well you'll see. Just come and listen. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give any of it away. Okay. So be blessed, everybody, and um, and uh, have a have a blessed week and live uh, long and prosper. Live long and prosper. That's a good way <laughs> to put it. <laughs> okay. Um, stay online, guys, for a second. Okay. Okay. All right. Good night,
1: y'all. Good night.